Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, March 23rd, 2016, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Schroll, and I'm here with Mr. Bob Ryer. Hello, hello, hello. There's an echo in here. I know. <laughs> We're s- Stephanie and Steve will be joining us shortly. <laughs> the room uh, is empty. Uh, both with different, different reasons for being a little bit late, but uh, we wanted to... We, we're getting started without them, and, and they'll join in... Um, I'm sure not silently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure you'll know when each one of them uh, shows up to be part of the part of the show. Yep. Um, so a uh, big, big thing we're going to be talking about uh, th- this week is we're going to be breaking down Daredevil season two a little bit later in the show. For people who don't know uh, how we do reviews here for big things like that, movies or these shows that we've been doing, um, we'll do a non-spoiler section. We'll kind of give you top level sort of idea about what, what you think. Is it worth Is it worth your 13 hours of time? That kind of thing. Um, and then we'll break into a spoiler section. The spoiler section will probably be decently long because um, compared to the review section, be different than the kind of way the movies usually go because with a TV show, once you're kind of in it, it's tough to talk about um, – specifics without really getting into spoilers mm-hmm. because you know you might be in the fifth hour and something happens and it's a spoiler for you haven't watched the first hour yeah, yet shit. so and who knows how people are actually watching this are yeah. people still spacing out television when you can binge watch <laughs> no, you just sit there I don't okay think so i was I, I finished on monday night and i felt like i was not like in the, the late to the party but definitely in the middle of the pack was finishing oh. i know like hugh finished i think I think Hugh finished on Sunday. Wait a minute! It came out Friday. Friday. Yeah, right. yeah, Friday. Wow. Um, I think it was. I think it was on. I think it was on Sunday. He finished. It might have been Saturday. I think Joey finished around that same time. Uh, uh, and and so I I was kind of half scared to be on the internet because I didn't want to get spoiled in anything, mm-hmm. um, especially something I was watching so quickly. Uh, but yeah, I think people are pretty much uh, devouring it the, the the same way. Um, you know, for for me, it was like. I, I think if we if we recorded the show on a Wednesday, it would have been like the just comfortable enough time, like you know, like three episodes a day. I think yeah. is a good amount. I kind of had to, I kind of didn't watch much on Friday because uh, I just didn't get a chance to. I watched like one episode on Friday, and then I, I it wasn't until Saturday night that I got to watch more. So I like watched like five episodes Saturday night, and then it was like three. So it ended up being not too bad, but having to having to watch four episodes. Is a little bit much yeah. when it's like a forty-five to an hour-long show. It depends on how long. Some, most episodes, I think, were around an hour. So it, it sometimes that's to feel like you have to do that is is different. It's a totally it's that mindset thing. Because if I didn't have to do it, I probably would have done it anyway. Yeah, otherwise, but, it's homework. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It turns into homework. So, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get deep into that stuff going there, and uh, I'm sure we'll kind of theorize about what we think is going to come as well going on there. Mm. Poor Bob again hasn't even seen season one yet. No. 
No, or Jessica Jones. Yeah, I think season one though comes out soon on DVD. Yeah, because it's a. I think they're waiting. They wait a year at this point. For you this. would think you'd release it now mm. to catch up. Yeah, let people catch up by watching. Is it still on Netflix? Oh yeah, it's always season? it's always oh, going to well, be on. Then, why bother? If it's a Netflix yeah. show, that's always going to be on there. I think so. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, you know, I think it's 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 an interesting model because of the way they kind of do things, and it's 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 the first one I've honestly been like tracking to see when it comes out because I do want to own it even though I have Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'd like to own like a Blu-ray version of it or whatever. Um, it's the only one I've been tracking. It's the only one I've noticed this with. I don't know if Orange Is the New Black and you know House of Cards and stuff work like this in the same way if if the releases mm-hmm. of the discs are so spaced out from from when it premieres. Um, but uh, yeah, season two is is. is come and gone which is a weird thing to say because it came out on friday <laughs> wow um and we'll definitely we'll definitely get into the meat of talking about that um we've got some uh, and next week we have another big show we've got uh um batman v superman dawn of justice it comes out uh thursday at six they're one, not, not seven they're one upping everybody they're coming six. out at six uh I, I know i think bob and i are both seeing it on on a thursday mm-hmm. um i'm not sure what steve and stephanie's plans are yet um and uh, actually, I was going to tell this to everybody when they were here, uh, but since we're, we're starting late, Bob, you're going to hear it first. Mr. Joey Pacino is going to, I think, be in studio with us next week. Awesome. Yeah, he's coming awesome. up. Awesome. Come to Long Island, and he was like, I, I want to do the oh, show great with you guys. To meet him. And I was like, oh, we're recording Comac. And he was like, oh, I have family in Comac. This is perfect. Perfect. So uh, he's going to be here next week with us. So um, it, unless, something, unless something comes up. So he'll be in studio for that. Um, I'm sure a good time will be had. Yeah. See, uh, I figure the six o'clock thing yeah. for me. Just in case, now that we Joey's going to be here, I, I, I may get to see it twice. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? So it, it's going to be it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time for that. Um, we've got a, a Flash Supergirl crossover coming up on Monday, Ooh. so we'll be able to talk a little bit about that on on, on our show as as well. Um, Let me ask. They're go- the promos have them racing. Yes. Who do you think wins in a race between Supergirl and the Flash? I mean, I've got to say the Flash, right? Because uh, I, I mean, I know you probably can speak on this more. I know. Sort of when the Flash first started, he was just like, "I'm a really fast guy." And then at a certain point, they kind of repositioned him as, "No, he's the fastest person, even more than Superman." Because there's a famous uh, comic where Superman and the Flash race, correct? Oh, continually, yeah. They did about four or five different times. Uh, sometimes villains were involved, mm. or some oddball things, or they're doing the race for charity to keep villains at bay or mm. whatever. There's one of them though where Superman actually moves the Earth. Mm. Because there's a giant space seed or something coming, <laughs> so he flattens out part of the Arizona desert and pushes really hard. Mm. And of course, continents don't topple over. I feel and like villains don't. It would be it would be definitely be a Man of Steel situation if yeah, he actually pushed the Earth. It doesn't quite work that way. It's really, really pretty poor. But yeah, here's the thing: Superman in that period, Silver Age into mm. the early Bronze, could do so many things. Yeah, it's okay. Great. Mm-hmm. John Byrne always talks about the specialist rule. If the Flash is the fastest man alive. He should be able to beat Superman or race, no matter what else Superman can do, if he's just running. Right. Yes. If he's just running. Right. Superman can fly through time or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, if you're the world's strongest mortal, mm-hmm. you should be stronger than anybody else. If, yeah. If all the Hulk can do is be strong, he should be able to beat Thor in arm wrestling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But once he has the hammer, you're doing something else. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. I'm with you. I think the Flash has to win, even against Supergirl. But he says, I don't want to, anyone see the. Promo. I was the promo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a line. Well, I let you in. <laughs> <laughs> and there's gonna be much punching. <laughs> um, uh, that they they recreated that 
famous cover, right? The mm-hmm. uh, the Flash f- of Two Worlds. Flash, Flash one twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see uh, what that comes of yeah. it. I I've been I haven't really been keeping keeping up with Supergirl, but obviously I've been keeping up very much with the Flash. And so uh, I think ever since they did that uh, that shoot, I think it was Variety. I don't remember what it was exactly. They did that shoot with the two of them together, mm-hmm. sort of like this is the new this is the new look of superheroes or whatever. It was them like laughing and and stuff like that. So I think people have really wanted it. So now it's here and. Uh, I'm excited to see what it all looks like. Uh, perfect, perfect tonal combination. No, absolutely for, for the two. Um, the grabbing the Superman villain too. From I mentioned John Burns. From yeah, action. I can't read. Five ninety five. The Silver Banshee. Okay. <gasps> so they've, right. been, they've been teasing her. <laughs> Though there is a new fifty two version. This is the old fifty two version. Right. They did that. That was, they introduced her in that Supergirl run. Right. The yep. the, the first initial run, which uh, we all liked so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like out at like a club or something. I remember. I can't remember yeah, exactly yeah. what it was, but it's coming back to me now as as, as we talk yeah. about it. The Silver Banshee is kind of a cross between Marvel's Banshee or Siren, the female mm. version. I guess the Dazzler at some level in the okay. New Fifty Two kind of. Mm. I haven't read enough of the New Fifty Two. No, no. I mean, but the Supergirl one, it, one, it got it got the creative team changed and it sort of got caught up in the, in all those many events that started happening in the Superman Hell universe on Earth. Yeah, in all of those ones, and, and, and I think that it sort of lost its way, and then. It did did come back right before the right before the the you know DCU stuff really really strong, but then wasn't on the new wasn't on that this new crop of books, but is on the rebirth yes. crop of books. So we'll see we'll see what that team is. We'll see what we should find that stuff pretty soon. Uh, this weekend, so this right? weekend, WonderCon. Right? yeah, WonderCon in, in, in Anaheim. So uh, we'll know very very soon. We have a lot of stuff to talk about next week. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of How stuff. We're gonna sneak it all in. A lot of stuff piling up. Um, and uh, we can promise you out there if you're listening, thinking about our review next week. Uh, I, like I said, I know I know Bob and I are seeing it early. I'm not sure what Steve and Stephanie are doing or what Joey's doing yet, but uh, we're going to find out when everybody's seeing it. And, uh, you know, if, if all of us sort of share the same opinion either way, um, we'll fi- make sure we get somebody else on the show that, that differs in that opinion so we get everything represented. We don't yeah. have a repeat of three years ago, two years ago, whenever the last movie came out. Three years ago. Yeah, maybe some of these folks in Radio Land can raise their hands on yeah. the internet and say, I like it, didn't like it. Yes, we could. Well, I mean, we'll definitely ask that question, but yeah. we'll, we'll see. <laughs> what happens with that um yeah and so a lot a lot of big stuff cropping up this this week um i guess we now know all of june is going to be civil war time for marvel uh it's gonna take up all of their books um so we'll see how that goes (laughs) Uh, there's been a lot of teasers coming out drawing lines this person on this side this person on that side a lot of those teasers out um and so yeah i mean obviously it's it's very smart marketing time for it to come out with that movie is just going to have come out as well the, the month before. So uh, we'll see how all that all kind of crops together and, and what it, how much it upends the books that we're reading and how much it doesn't. I think it's going to change reading habits for the summer again. Yeah, for, for I think a lot it of will. Us. I think it will. For me, it definitely will. Yeah. Uh, I know Axe Alonso was talking about just because you see people on one side or the other don't think it's going to stay that way, and I'm not sure is this damage control early. Yeah, maybe. I mean, also, I think that it, I, I think to me, considering how Marvel events go, I would say that's kind of an obvious statement because things there's always like in the middle, there's usually always a big sort of shift or yeah. or, or, or cross up when when they do that stuff. Um, yeah, and Batman Fifty comes out this week, so lots of stuff to talk about. So much stuff to talk about next week. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna have a, a full jam packed show. Uh, 
Yeah. I read many books, but uh, it's going to be one of those old time epics, one of our three hour specials. I'm at, I don't know with Joey here. It might turn into that. With, I think so. All of us in there like that. Uh, all for it. And as we as we start recording, uh, the embargo has lifted on reviews for Batman, Superman, Dawn of Justice. So uh, by the time this comes out, I'm sure that most people out there listening will have at least heard or seen a review of, of the movie. Um, it's early. It's got a it's got a low Rotten Tomatoes right now at forty percent, uh, but there's not that many reviews. It doesn't no. even have a consensus developed yet. So we'll have to see. It's definitely it, when it first opened up, it was at like ten percent. So it's definitely raised up. I, I I'm. I, you know, I would predict, you know, the, the, the 60 range for it, probably when everything gets said and done. But um, what did Man of Steel finish at? I don't know, actually. I don't remember what Man of Steel finished at. I'll have to I'll have to look that up. I'll look that up when, when you do your lightning round, Bob, there you w- go. which is going to happen right now. Okay, okay. Um, you've got three big minutes on the clock and go. Start off with Shaft Imitation of Life number two, which was a little disappointing as it's really only the merest thread of plot continuous from the first issue. And I had hoped for some fleshing out of some of the nuances. But uh, what we have here is David Walker has added some new elements that might connect it all together, but I'm just going to have to wait it out. Uh, really enjoyed the first one, so I'm still going. But for folks, be warned, just as the last issue, there's some really strong and possibly triggering language here in the form of some epithets against just about everybody at some point. It's the language of the time. But part of what I was hoping for is that context would give that some form. But Again, still a really good issue, but I wanted more. Red Sonja number three continues to show that Marguerite Bennett was a great choice to follow Gail Simone on this title. Now, Sonja has turned down the chance to be a queen, and things in her own country have gotten even worse than her nightmare vision of her own reign. So Sonja finds herself as a rebel, uh, soon to face an army with nothing but a token force. But what the heck? I mean, it's Red Sonja, so... Reading this book even got me to watch the movie the other day. Oh, wow. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as I remember. (laughs) Anyway, uh, soon to end, Starfire has been a really fun read, particularly as it stepped up its positive attributes virtually every issue through. Uh, Here, Corey saves Atlee's underground homeworld from destruction from a whole bunch of underground giant invading insect tyrants. That sounds ridiculous, but it's the case. And she has a wonderful quote in the middle of this that light always wins over darkness and uh, light always wins over darkness and life always wins over death. Just a nice bit of characterization by Amanda and Jimmy, and beautifully sold by uh, Elsa Chartier's artwork. A little different this time, it's kind of sort of Bruce Timmish. James Robinson, too, for Squadron Supreme 5, wraps up the Weird World story. Some interesting twists with one character defecting and one jumping on board. Leonard Kirk's art, just as usual, is just in top form. This really is, it rings to me like the Thunderbolts. Uh, that we, we saw that disappeared on us into Dark <laughs> Avengers territory. Uh, Scarlet Witch 5 is a great examination of the mysterious figure we saw at the end of the last issue. Fun mystic battles. Most importantly, Mr. Robinson continues his work of rehabilitating Wanda's character, now a hero, not just a maniac. So each issue's been one and done. This is kind of one and a half and done with some really interesting artwork by Chris Visions. Finally, there's Captain Marvel number three, and I'm trying hard to let this build into something I can embrace, but so far it's been style over substance. Much more enjoying Carol in Ultimates, A-Force, Spider-Woman. This plot's sort of, we're in space and we're beating up stuff. Now we've got the Kree involved. We've got maybe the original Captain Marvel. So I'm hoping, against hope, because I really love this character, I'm not sold yet. Some of the later solicitations moving out already have new writers. Hmm. Now, whether that's just a fill-in for Fazekas and Butters, I'm not sure. But 
Looks great because it's Chris Anka. Mm. All right. So uh, Man of Steel ended with, I think, 58% is what I, what okay. I read. So, so very close, about, around yeah. 60. Um, and uh, you, did you read the story of Thunderbolts coming back? Yeah, but it's not quite the yeah, same. Yeah, not We're quite the same. It, it's got to do with this event. Yes, it does. I um, don't want to spoil too much for people who are trying to avoid the spoilers, but we have some original Thunderbolts, mm-hmm. including one of their leader characters. Mm. And some new things to the mix. It was a great concept in its time. It, it came out before the... It was an internet, but not in the way we know it now. Mm-hmm. So the reveal of villains pretending to be heroes and revealing themselves at the end of our first issue was just, what? <laughs> and it was just really stunning. And the book continued to grow. Those characters changed. Some of them really became heroes and wanted to be heroes mm-hmm. and moved outwards. And some, some of those characters are back. Why they'd be back, I don't know. It's intriguing. Who's <laughs> um, writing and drawing Jim, this one? Jim Zub is is writing. Wait, wayward and a lot of other things mm-hmm. over an image and and some other, and uh, John Malin is the artist. Um, I don't I don't know uh, I don't know John Malin's work, mm-hmm. so I'd have to I'd have to look that up. But yeah, uh, Bucky's okay. involved, right? Bucky is involved. Yeah, okay. he, he's the he's like the leader of the the team apparently. Um, so yeah, so that's what's going on with, with that. Um, and did you hear about that uh, unbeatable Squirrel Girl graphic novel? Yeah, Squirrel Girl beats uh, up the Marvel Universe. Yes. Or so that be that should be fun. Yeah, with the same co- team too, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. with a cover right out of the Punisher destroyer or Fred Hembeck destroys yeah. the, the whole crowd of them. Yeah, and we've got the Squirrel Girl Howard mm-hmm. crossover. Yeah, some big stuff for Squirrel Girl yeah. coming in the future. Um, all right, she needs an animated movie. Uh, it would be awesome. <laughs> uh. So, uh, Bob, do you think that you could fill for 30 seconds? Because the door is locked. Steve can't get in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. We, I can fill. Look, I had all these other books I didn't talk about. There you talk go. Talk about, about. those. No, I can talk about those. Yeah, you, you know, you uh, Gotham Academy. We're in, we're in part, what is it? Part two of the yearbook. Part three of the yearbook. See, I already missed one. It is interesting to look at the different mix of things. We also have a, a great story called Boring Sundays by Ken Nomura from uh, I Kill Giants, which we all love so much. And it, it's, I do miss the overall story arc, that we had something really neat going. But I love these characters so much. It's fun reading about them in little bits and pieces. Hello, Steve. Hey, hey. Uh, just in time. It's talking about Gotham Academy number 16. I read that. You read that? I think I did, yeah. There you go. So we had <laughs> that, and that's been fun. It's a Ken Nomura story. Hmm. Yes. Which was charming. Yeah, the... Uh on some headphones here <laughs> the yearbook stuff has been interesting yeah all, all the the kind of anthology stories as opposed to one big overarching thing i was resistant at first but i'm really getting into it i really liked the last two i liked steve you gotta love that microphone you gotta, you gotta love that microphone i loved on him there you go i can't hear anything yet because i haven't put on that <laughs> i know i know you can't but i'm just letting you know um see i told you it wouldn't be it wouldn't be smooth <laughs> yes <laughs> well well, both door. you and Stephanie are starting late. Stephanie's not even with us yet. So I was like, between the two of them, w- one of it's not going to be smooth. The door being locked really. Yeah, the door being locked yeah, really screwed up my Yeah, ninja. I didn't say it was going to be your fault, but I just knew it wasn't going to be smooth. Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, Bob just did his lightning round. So okay. That's what just happened. Um, welcome to the party, pal. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Even, uh, I don't even know what's going on right now. <laughs> um, Gotham Academy. We I, did some Supergirl Flash. We talked a little bit about that, yeah. Talked yeah. about what we're doing next week in yeah. our four-hour show. It's a, a giant show. Oh, and, and Joey is going to be in studio with us next week. 
Seriously? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hooray. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm going to do, I'll do my lightning round next. And that, so give you a chance, Steve, to, to get yourself settled um, before you, before you jump in. I appreciate that. Um, so I have three minutes on the clock for myself and go. So um, I'm continuing my, my read on, on new X-Men after I talked about it last week. Uh, someone was like, you're talking about one of my favorite runs of the X-Men, but trust me, you'll know when people turn on it. So I don't <laughs> think I've gotten to that point yet, but read a few more issues. Still, still very much I- I- enjoying it. Um, I did similar. What I did. I remember I talked a couple weeks ago about Justice League and how I had uh, I had accidentally not read an issue and then yeah. like what's going on. The same thing happened with Invincible Iron Man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I read like the the issue where Mary Jane got hired, okay, but didn't read the issue before it where like Rhodey gets like captured. Um, oh, okay. And so when they show Rhodey being captured in that issue, the Mary Jane issue, I was like. What the hell's going on? Like, what? I don't. Is this? I'm an off panel. So I read that issue. That was very, very good. Um, I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying the Doctor Doom uh, or Victor Von Doom. I can't even call him Doctor Doom right now. Uh, Tony sort of interaction. There's a great scene in this, this issue where Tony's like having coffee with this like this doctor that he's uh, he's been romancing, and then they're kind of having sort of like a, a real relationship. You know, not a typical Tony Stark relationship. And uh, Doom is just there. And he's like, and there he has a, Tony is so sort of like petulant about Doom being around, you know, it's just, it's, they have a great d- dynamic together um, with Doom trying to prove sort of that he's, you know, that he's not a bad guy anymore, but not doing it, you know, he's not, he's not very apologetic. He's still like a, he's kind of a douche, you know, but he's just like, I'm not a bad guy anymore and I'm just going to keep showing up until, <laughs> until you listen to me kind of thing. So the relationship is great. I really liked it. Um, and uh, last week I was like, oh, I don't know if Diodato was doing a one issue thing. He did that issue too. So obviously he's doing this arc, I'm guessing, while, while Marquez is, is off. Um, and also uh, the newest issue of Injection I read as well. Uh, Warren Ellis, Declan Shelby, uh, great stuff. Um, it's, again, one of those things where the, the issue reveals more things than I think any issue has before, but still manages to leave you being like, what's going on? Yes. <laughs> so uh, because... You know, I, we, we've talked about uh, Cry Havoc and how each section is sort of sectioned off very clearly about when, what time is happening when because of the color palette. It just jumps around and oh. you're, uh, I don't even know. Sometimes, I, I, but I think they, he knows. He has to know that. He's doing it on purpose where he's just like, okay, is this scene happening now or is it happening before? I don't really, I can't really tell. It's like jumping from a scene before to a scene in the present then a scene to before with like just like. Like like back and forth like a snap of the fingers, um, but all still very enjoyable. It's a lot of fun and um, uh, really excited to see how this arc uh, wraps itself up. Um, and that's it. That's it for me uh, for for my lightning round. I'm going to talk about uh, international Iron Man in my book of the week section. Ooh. So we'll talk about that later. But Steve, are you ready to go? Sure. All right, and go. So I stopped in Barnes and Noble this afternoon in between things, and I actually sat down and read two chapters of my first manga. Oh, really? Wow. Ever, ever. It's taken this long. Mara would be proud. Yeah, she would. Um, <laughs> I'm actually gonna have to. I'm gonna ask her opinion about this book. I don't know if she's read it yet. I think it came out last Wednesday. Um, it's called. Ah, oh, I should have looked it up. It's either Good Night or Goodbye Pun Pun. Okay. And it. <laughs> Of course I, it is. <laughs> I saw it on Comixology. I was like, ah, I don't know. So anyway, I'm in Barnes & Noble, and it's there. And I picked it up, 
And I've never read a manga before, but this is the this is the type of one that makes it very easy where like they tell you on the first page, flip this thing over and go back and go from right to left. Um, I picked it up really quick. Not that it was difficult, but uh, started reading it and I first two chapters and it's it's weird. It's like watching an anime but reading it off the page. Mm-hmm. But because I've I've watched a lot of anime in my life, I, I could already hear the voices. I could hear, you know, the sound effects and all the weird stuff going on and even the freak out moments. Uh, I should probably tell you what it's about. Mm. It's... We have a minute and 40 seconds to do so. So Yeah, I'll spend the whole, yeah, yeah, I'll spend yeah. the whole thing <laughs> on this. Why not? Uh, so Pun Pun is this little boy who is he's i think he's a he's either a middle school student or a high school student and he has a very much a he lives in a broken home his father is an out of work angry person who just who curses who throws things around and he pun pun goes to school one day and a new girl is transferred into his school it's love at first sight and he has like one conversation with her and she talks about being an actress and exploring the world and it kind of inspires him in wanting to get closer to her. He is then like thinking about what do I want to do? How do I want to contribute? Um, coincidentally enough, he's given a school assignment where the teacher wants to, you know, what do you want to do with your life oh. and blah, blah, blah. So he decides that he wants to become an astronaut and explore the cosmos because that's as far as you can go and as big as you can get. And he comes home and his father has, drunkenly trashed the entire house to stage a robbery and beaten his wife, Pun Pun's mother. And it completely and totally screws his whole his whole deal up. The interesting thing about the book though is that all of the characters, the art is absolutely fantastic. Like if you're into anime style art, uh, I know there's all different kinds, but this particular kind, kind of a um uh like a Summer Wars type of artwork or um, Azamanga Dayo or something like that. And uh, Pun Pun so far and his family are the only characters that it's a tiny little bird-like character with a sheet over its body. So it's just like a beak and eyes and a sheet. And everybody else is like super meticulously drawn and all the world is like this big thing. And you, it's crazy. Like you get all these crazy emotions out of this emotionless sheeted character and so far, it's really good. I'm going to probably pick it up on Comixology. It's a good night, pun pun. Thank you. Um, so, yeah. So, I just added Stephanie to this whole this this mess. Sweet. Hello. Hello, Stephanie. Good Hello. Good evening. <laughs> good evening. How are you? I am wonderful. <laughs> Fresh off this, the finale of Daredevil. I have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about those feelings in a, in a little bit. Um, so, how are you doing, Steph? I'm I'm great. Uh, great. You had a busy uh busy weekend. Did. I did. A good busy weekend. Yeah, you were uh, you were at Toronto Comic-Con? Yeah, it like uh substituted my FOMO of C2E2. Mm-hmm. Like it distracted me so that I you know, didn't have to be like, "Oh, I'm so bummed I'm not there." <laughs> yeah. What are some of your highlights from the from the show? Oh, it was good. Um I wasn't really expecting too much because, like, a lot of the comics guests that I would normally see um, were at C2E2. So there weren't a lot of people that I was, like, super stoked to kind of hang out with or, like, go meet or whatever. Um, So I I was kind of just, like, more thinking I would stop by and do Artist Alley and just kind of walk through there. 
Um, but like then they asked me, the people that were running the show were like, hey, do you want to do some interviews? And I was like, yes. <laughs> um, and they were like, oh, yeah, do you want to interview like Karen Allen? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and they're like, oh, how about like Jonathan Frakes? And I'm like, y- also, yes. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah. And like Tova Felcha and like Casper uh, Van Dien. And I was like, why are these questions? <laughs> yes. Yes, I'd like to do this. Um, so like on Saturday morning, um, I had to go in for like 8.30. I definitely thought it was like later in the afternoon. And I was like, I'm going to stay up until like 2 a.m. watching Daredevil. (laughs) And then I was like, I better check this email to see where I have to go. And then I was like, oh my God, 8.30, no, what? (laughs) Um, but, uh, I, I, I made it. I got there and, uh, we, we got the interviews all set up and, I, I was admittedly like the most excited to meet Karen Allen. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know who she is, she's Marion Ravenwood mm. um, from Indiana Jones. Um, but like all of them were a lot of fun. Um, I, I recorded some of it. Bobby has had a chance to sort of listen because <laughs> I made him try and edit. I was like, this is hard. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, they were they were something difficult, but they were good. They were good. You, they were good interviews. Definitely. It's just the, there's a lot the of background Casper noise. The Casper Van Dien interview started with, have you seen Starship Troopers? <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> and he was like, oh, God, you've seen me naked. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, God, you've seen me naked. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, I, I guess it's good anyways because you still want to interview me and you've seen me naked. And I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Like, why are you more awkward than I am? He was definitely the most energetic of uh, everyone that you interviewed. He was, like, very into it. He was, like, I don't want to say on drugs, (laughs) but, like, I'm also very tempted to be, like, he was remarkably energetic for how early it was. Right, yeah. Um, There was, like, a couple other interviews. I don't know if it showed up, but um, I think during when we were talking to Karen Allen... Oh, there's like sirens, <laughs> yeah. sketchy neighborhood stuff. Um, so uh, when I think I was in the Karen Allen interview, everyone was like pretty quiet and doing their own thing. And he had like this, he, he just was doing some video interviews next to us. And he just started like shouting about the Avengers and stuff. <laughs> and he was like screaming at me like, ah! And everyone like stopped their interviews and turned. And this guy from like our sci-fi channel like came up. He's like, what's wrong with Casper? Is everything okay? I'm like, no, he's just like super excited for the Avengers. <laughs> um, he's like, oh, okay. I just heard swearing and stuff. I'm like, yeah, he really effing loves the Avengers. <laughs> um, but it it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I, again, I didn't expect Casper to be like my favorite of those interviews. <laughs> and Jonathan Frakes was so just down to earth and kind and Karen Allen was so like sweet and she's aged so well mm-hmm. like she's gorgeous um so I did all of these interviews and I was relatively normal um considering I was in a dress entirely made of cats not made of cats but like <laughs> yeah. the had cats all over I it say that would be a little weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but it, it was, off it was the wrong a lot direction. of fun getting to talk to them and um I I, I was taking photos to accompany the interviews and the articles 
And again, like Casper, I was like, oh, can I get a photo for like my article? And he's like, yeah, sure. And I take a photo. He's like, do you want to be in the photo with me? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, why not? Um, and he saw one of my tattoos. And I don't know if this was on the interview or not, but he's like, you have a Starship Trooper tattoo. And I'm like, I don't. He's like, yeah, you do. I'm like, I don't. He's like, you don't even know you have a Starship Troopers tattoo. I'm like, I really don't. Um, but he he was very energetic and just a lot of fun to talk to and you didn't really need to ask him any questions like you <laughs> would say like a keyword and it would like prompt him to talk for like 45 minutes mm -hmm. perfect yeah like i was like so you're a geek and like i didn't even ask my question and he just like went on for like five minutes and we were kind of going down the line in our little group of three for a round table thing and the guys like when he finished talking were like it's still technically your question <laughs> and they're like looking at me i'm like no no go ahead guys you literally just talked to me for five minutes you, you can ask him something um but it was it was really great rob liefeld was there of course um, my friend was supposed to moderate his panel and he was like super stoked to like go up and uh host it and he got there and rob liefeld's like no moderator i will just talk <laughs> and he did for the entire time. He didn't even take questions from the audience. He just <laughs> talked about Rob Liefeld for an hour. I suppose if you're going to a Rob Liefeld panel, that's what you want yeah. to hear. So yeah, my friend told me it was like the she she's not a Rob Liefeld fan. Right. She just went for the train wreck, and it was exactly the train wreck she was hoping for. <laughs> um, so I I only went to one panel, and I, have you either any of you watched the Killjoys? No, no. Um, it's a sci-fi show. Mm. It's really, really good. Um, I didn't know that the cast was going to be there. It's all filmed in Toronto. Everything's filmed in like Toronto and Vancouver. Right, yeah. Um, but uh, I saw that they were, were doing a panel. And so I went to go check it out. And it was amazing. Like I have like this newfound respect for the show. Um, and the actors and all of the stuff. Um, I'm not through the first season. It got spoiled for me a bit. <laughs> which was kind of my own fault for going into a panel about a show. That yeah. <laughs> is you know like wrapped up for the season and mm -hmm. about to launch its second season but that being said like i have no regrets about it it was really really great so um i i, I was happy i did that i had a really good weekend and i got a portrait of myself as a cat okay like you do standard yep yeah yeah it it was amazing <laughs> um i i wandered around got cool other stuff um yeah i I had fun. In lieu of C2E2, um, it, it was a really solid substitute. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Oh, my God. There was the cutest little girl um, dressed up as Ray. Her and her oh, dad yes. were dressed up as Ray and Finn. That's cool. They were so cute. <laughs> she was, like, real sassy, too. <laughs> like, I was like, can I get a photo? And she's, like, holding a soda. She's like, I guess. And, like, puts the soda down and then, like, gets her face on. Like, she's like, oh, I'm ready. And then gets, like, this, like, super, like, I'm going to kick your ass face. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> this turnaround from, like, I just want to drink my soda to, like, I'm going to kick your ass <laughs> was phenomenal. And she was how old? She couldn't have been more than, like, seven or eight. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Like, she w I'll have to send the photo, but she was adorable. She was fantastic. That is fantastic. Awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Hot news <laughs> breaking from Hugh Perry across the pond. Uh, Peter Serafinowicz has been cast as the Tick in Amazon's live action. They're bringing back the Tick. I have no Again? idea who Peter For like Peter the fourth time? Sissa, what, what Peter, Peter Serafinowicz? Yes, you do. He is... Well, he's the voice of Darth Maul, but that's like the least thing. He's, uh, you know, Shaun of the Dead. Yes. You know, Pete, the other like the the, like the guy he lives with, oh, the really dicky guy. Yeah, he's um, He's also in Spy, and he's been he's been in a lot of stuff. He's a very gotcha. really funny British comedian. Um, yeah, I like. I've seen him in a couple of things. I like him. Yeah, he's very much a chameleon too. People point him out in movies to me, and I don't realize it's mm. him until they tell me. Yeah. So there you go. He has that Patrick Warburton. Wait, he does. He's going to be the tick because they're. Uh, the, the same creative team is bringing the show back, but they're not bringing back the cast. There was a lot of reasons why there was like a uh, scheduling reasons and deal reasons and all this kind of stuff. It wasn't like a straight like we don't want these people back. It was just um, it just didn't work out. What's his face? Uh, Patrick Warburton is playing Lemony Stick, uh, Snicket in he the is. Netflix thing. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, all right, very cool, very cool. Um, so, Bob, yeah, Tell me, tell me about this eight dollar book that that you that you bought well, this week. I didn't know it was eight dollars <laughs> when I pre-ordered it because I I look through the previews and I, I got a discount. Mm-hmm. But even at that, it's Legends of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. which has really nothing to do with the television show yeah. except and only shares Fire, one one character, Firestorm, who's in big re- relief on the yeah, cover. Yeah, he's yeah. the he's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Now what you have is a number of. It's an anthology of mm-hmm. characters that basically no one cares about but old farts like me. <laughs> so what we have here, we have the Metal Men mm-hmm. back, and it's, it's Len Wein and Uradri Sinar. Okay. I'm close with that. And it's really well done. It is There was that Justice League issue mm-hmm. a while back yeah. where, where they brought them back mm-hmm. into this universe. And it's now a younger Dr. Magnus. And it's the characters, and they're acting the way they're supposed mm-hmm. to. You know, Len's a classic writer, so he really gets that. That was a lot of fun. Metamorpho, who was back from 1965, too, which is Bob Haney and Ramona Fraden. Uh, it's the Element Man. And they've tweaked the origin a little bit. And in this case, it is Aaron Lepresti on mm-hmm. pencils and typewriter, I guess. <laughs> no one uses words a typewriter. And, words, and pencils. words and pictures. <laughs> uh, Harlan Ellison still uses a typewriter. <laughs> anyway. You have the original cast. It's still Simon Stagg, the industrialist, and he sends out Rex Mason to do stuff, and he gets transformed into a fellow whose every atom can become any element you can imagine and do stuff. But he's pretty hideous to look at. He's all sorts of amalgamated. And again, done really well. And then there's Sugar and Spike, which is one of the screwiest things I have ever read. I don't know if anyone remembers who they were. No. They were a kid's book. Mm -hmm. There were two little babies, Sugar and Spike, Mm -hmm. a little girl, Sugar, and she had a little ponytail. Didn't they have a one-shot from DC a few years back? Yep, absolutely. They talked baby talk that they could understand to each other, and they got into hijinks. They weren't the Cats and Jammer kids. They were the even smaller version of that. Mm. This, at some level, is kind of the reverse of the ex-babies, because now we've taken kids and made them into their superhero private detectives in a way that they clean up superheroes' messes. Okay. She is she is ultra-violent. It, it's Keith Giffen. Oh, okay. So it's got to be weird. It's, it's very weird. Yeah. But they are still Sugar and Spike, but they're running around. They're on a mission to, to f- kill her moth who they refer to as Mr. Moth more than once, which is pretty ridiculous. 
who has stolen a whole bunch of Batman's old costumes. It's all the crazy stuff from the 50s, the zebra costume mm. and the caveman <laughs> costume. And, and at one point, they discover that Killer Moth has been chewing on them. That's just weird. They're, they're talking. <laughs> That's hysterical. A guy's got to do what he's got to do. Is this kind of, it is ridiculously violent and crazy and silly. That sounds kind of amazing. And it is, it is a wonderfully fun book, except it's $8. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's a big book. It's a hefty book, square yeah. bound and all, but $6, $8. Yeah. It's, you know, two or three other books and it's lovely. And I, I want to support an anthology mm. title. So I, I, you know, blindly order them. Mm. I will finish it. I think it's three of these, mm-hmm. but $8 is a bit much, but you know, congrats. how was the Firestorm story? Eh, ordinary. Yeah. Who was not real special? Yeah, Firestorm is, let me, uh, it is Jerry Conway, Eduardo Pansica. Okay. So it reads well. Mm-hmm. I don't know that much about Firestorm. Gotcha. It's sort of an amalgam of the show and mm. the old books all at once. Mm. Looks great. And you which know. Uh, which two is it? Is it? Well, we've got both Firestorms and Professor Stein. Okay. <laughs> so they're both inside. Okay. So it's Ronnie yeah. Raymond and Jason yeah. Roush. Okay. Yeah. Again, fun book. Mm. Just way way too pricey. Yeah. So wait for the trade where it'll probably be ten dollars for the whole thing. No, it's DC. It'll be. 17 or 18 but still <laughs> better than paying eight dollars per right absolutely <laughs> absolutely but what you do you go to barnes and noble the way steve didn't just sit there and read and have a coffee <laughs> It'll do I, it. it was a test drive <laughs> yeah you know well well um so uh steve uh, do you want to talk about what you said you want to talk about in the email the uh, the Rat Queen's business? I could talk about it. I don't know how long I want to talk about it because I don't want to dig myself into a hole. If you don't want to, it's okay. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> so you, uh, I don't remember, was it was it Kelly Heron on Twitter? Yeah. Was well, like, actually, it was, it, was, it was a couple of people. It was great this week. So you decided you were you were behind? Yes. So you went back and you sort of caught up. I, I did. Yeah. I did. I saw, I saw big reactions to uh, the latest issue, number 15. People were like, oh, you know, heartbroken, all this stuff. And I'm like, what is going on with Rat Queens today? Like, this is a huge reaction. So um, I had one through 10 and then there's a there's a one shot and then there's, you know, up to 15. So I went back and I actually read from one all the way up to 15 just to get refreshed and everything. And I had like almost the opposite reaction to it that everyone else did and i mean i I can i can pinpoint it to a couple of things but i i don't want to uh get too negative but i really 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 enjoyed going through one through like one through ten like all the stuff that i had read before it was really awesome to go back and like reread it and relive it and and see it almost like two years out and Mm -hmm. go back to it and whatever and it kind of reaffirmed the things that I really, really love about that series. And as much as I like the group of girls and everything, it's this, it's like, it's the sass and it's the, the, the whip smart writing and just the funny D and D references and stuff like that. And the art is just absolutely spectacular. I mean, there was artist fallout between mm. rock up church and then Stapon Sejus was only on for like two and then Tess Fowler uh, took over and she's now the, you know, yeah. the, the resident artist for the book. And so I got all the way up to I really enjoyed the Braga one shot. Mm-hmm. But the latest arc, the Demons arc, it just something happened between the the Braga thing and, and the next arc for me that just it just didn't hit for me at all. 
um, it was a lot of a lot of information, like a lot more reading on the page than you would in the other mm. uh, issues. And it was a lot of background. Like I appreciated learning about Hannah, learning about Dee and kind of getting at some of their backgrounds and their personal lives. And I enjoyed that aspect of it. But there was less snap to the dialogue. There was a, a bit less sarcasm. Characters didn't seem to be acting quite themselves or we were spending too much time with one and not really incorporating the other. And it just, it struck me as odd. And I was like, all right, well, you know, maybe it's it's one issue, but it it carried throughout. It builds to a very emotional end. And I have a feeling that when, when the book comes back that it's going to kind of um, like set the bar back to zero and just do like rat queens all over again and it'll be you know big and fun and all of this stuff but the art change uh wasn't really my thing and a lot of that book for me it's as much visual as it is story and i really loved the like elaboracy of the world and as much as i do enjoy tess fowler's art just on this book it doesn't come across for me all, all that much in, in comparison mm. and uh I don't know. It was weird. It was a weird experiment to to go in. And I mean, it was a fun ride regardless of mm. how I felt about the, the last arc. But going back and, and getting to like hang out with the Rat Queens again, that book is that group is really amazing. Mm -hmm. It's It was so much fun. Uh, I just I hope that when it comes back and I, I go to check it out again and try to keep with it that it'll have a little bit more of that pop for mm. me like it used to. So it got a little more serious and that wasn't yeah. like, wasn't what, that's not what you come to Rat Queens for. Right. Like gotcha. without giving away plot details, it mm -hmm. was just, you know, this very serious thing is coming. And in order to understand what it is, we're going to have to tell you about this person, but in, in detail. And you're going to meet characters that you've never met before. And they tie into this story and you're going to spend you know, sometimes like three or four pages in a row with them and it's a lot of dialogue mm. and it's a lot of this is what happened and, and this is how it works. And all that stuff is really cool for building the world mm -hmm. and everything. But the the humor of the book kind of got lost in that mm. for me. And I come to I come to Rat Queens for a lot for the laughs. Like as much as the personality of the girls um, and I don't think I don't think that Betty was serviced very well in mm. the in the third arc. She was kind of just off doing her own thing. You find out something about her, and it's like the only thing that comes out of that arc, like moments of her tripping on mushrooms and imagining Violet as a as a peppermint queen, and mm. she goes to eat her face. There's nothing like that yeah. in in the later arc. So I'm hoping for really good things from it. I'm really really happy to have gone back to read it. All and, right. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's where I spent most of my reading time mm -hmm. this week. I spent a lot of time watching Daredevil. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the case for you, man, Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 14 hours of your life that you had to dedicate to that. Um, uh, for me, the one I mentioned before, uh, International Iron Man uh, came out this this week. And, uh, you know, it, it continues Bendis' sort of track of needing, having two books, you know, about the same sort of – two of the same – the main book he's writing having two like sort of books about it. Um, this goes with uh, Invincible Iron Man. Obviously, this is him um, and Alex Maleev and uh, Paul Mounts on colors doing it. And uh, you know, I'm not sure if this first issue is indicative of how the whole the whole run is going to be structured. I'm sure pretty much they're probably going to have to um, you, you know go away from this at some point, if not right away. But uh, this first issue was really impressive, and it, what it does is it. 
it takes us back 20 years before modern day when Tony is still in college um, and he meets uh, a, a woman named Cassandra Gillespie, who is the daughter of sort of a competing a competing businessman to Howard Stark. And this is Tony sort of before he, you know, he's still under his father's shadow. He's, he's got some of the, the very Tony elements about him, but he's not a complete, you know, playboy, you know, billionaire philanthropist, you know, like, like as he turns into. And what the story does is it, is it, it, it starts in present day and flashes back and kind of travels in this story with Tony and, and this woman. And, from this first issue, it seems like this is going to be a very sort of back and forth sort of here's what's happening in the present day and here's how, what happened in the past that sort of reflects um, what happens there. Uh, it was really well paced, really well done. Um, you know, I've been, I've been loving Invincible Iron Man and this does a good job of still having some of those elements that I really like about that series, but not really repeating anything and, and kind of carving out its own niche. Is International replacing the other one? No, no, no. Okay. It's like a, it's a companion book. Okay. Like I, Avengers, New Avengers, you know. Uh, yeah. I bought it thinking that something had happened in the last issue. No. And it was now called this. No. Okay. No, cool. no, no. It's, it's another book. So I don't know how it's going to sort of um, go on from here, but the first issue was really, really good. And I think that if you're enjoying Bennis's take on Tony and Iron Man, that you'll enjoy this one very much. And of course, it looks beautiful because yeah, it's Alex Maleev. Um, Sweet. It's cool too because I mean, again, I don't know how much of like Tony in the suit we're gonna see in in this in this series, but there's a lot of stuff that's not Tony in the suit. A lot of dealing with other stuff, and I like that a lot about it. I like that we're dealing with a different part of his life, a part of his life that we haven't really ever gone to before. You know, this is not I get captured in in the Middle East, you know, and that's why I become Iron Man. This is before he's gone down the road of sort of getting to a really bad point in his life, and it was interesting reading it because. There's a definite between him and Cassandra. There's a definite sort of Murdoch Electra sort of relationship between them. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's something about each one of them that brings out something different in each one of them, and they challenge each other in interesting ways. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that all sort of uh, wraps together and whatever this is going to be. Um, yeah, but I really, I really enjoyed it a lot. Sweet, looking forward to it. Yeah, um, Bob still loving Spider Woman. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know <laughs> yeah. Steve is too. <laughs> to me, this is a book that it goes to the bottom of my pile because I want the last book I read to be the best one I read, and this will put a smile on your face and a catch in your heart. And, <laughs> and of all the the new books, this is the one that addresses, mm-hmm. well, I guess, with A Force, the eight month time gap that mm-hmm. we were told was going to happen at the end of Secret Wars. Well, here it is, right. <laughs> And we still don't know exactly what's going on or, or why. We get a recap. We, we get don't a even long have a name. recap. No, we don't. Not of yet. It's killing me. Uh, there are more word balloons on these first couple of pages than a book has had in the last you know, ten years. That opening <laughs> is amazing. Right, and it, everyone who was who knows a new mom mm-hmm. knows th- this thing. Or the night out. That whole that whole this, book yeah. was phenomenal. It is it is such an amazing book. It's such a just a everything about it they're doing it right. The art's wonderful, the <laughs> Jessica's whole thing, that whole night out thing with all all the symbols. Yeah, I know yeah. I'm just saying a lot of words repeatedly, but I'm I'm kind of flustered at how good that book is. <laughs> it, it, but here's the thing, we have all this fun stuff going on and the different interactions with characters. Uh, Roger the porcupine who's made a great comeback as as a nanny here. 
uh, having been rescued by Jess and now wants to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But it's the relationships between these characters that make all this, it makes the humor work, it makes the heart work. She has a, a talk with Carol Danvers near the end. And you, Fury, Natasha Cap, you didn't tell me how to be a hero, you showed me. And now it's my job to show him, meaning her son. Mm-hmm. And takes off being, you know, Spider Woman again. It's just lovely is the only yeah. word I can use this. The the balancing of the pregnancy with the super heroic stuff and the the contemplation and the worrying and all of those traits that come with you know entering motherhood and mm-hmm. so on. Like I have Facebook, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody's having mm-hmm. kids. And when I'm reading this book, I'm thinking about all of my friends that I grew up with now and now they're moms. You know, and I'm just imagining like I have a couple of really geeky friends, you know, that, mm-hmm. that have had children in the last year or so. And I try to put them in Jessica's shoes. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, that's totally crystal right now. Mm. And uh, it's just been really entertaining. And one of those things that when it first hit that she was going to be pregnant, everybody kind of sat back and was like, hmm, how is that going to go? Mm-hmm. And I just think they've done a really wonderful job with it. Yeah. It's the same tone the book had before. Mm -hmm. Amplified. Yeah. There's something even more special about it now than before, because this is a very human thing that we we haven't seen much in comics. Mm -hmm. And it's here and played out with heart and humor. Cool stuff. And people, if they were put off by that first cover, it's like, oh, come on. Mm -hmm. Gimmick. No, it's, it's a gimmick that is a real life situation you're just saying Steve she's talking about why well, you can't leave the baby down you just let him cry mm-hmm. I can't put him in bed I could roll over on him mm-hmm. I can't do this and I can't do that and, ah, she just <laughs> freaks out a little bit just beautiful book so Dennis Hopeless Javier Rodriguez uh, <laughs> lots of thumbs up lots of thumbs up from it's it's amazing side of the I table. love it yeah. I loved it have you? Anybody, I, I'm behind yep. on it. Okay. I, I'm going to catch up and, and read it. The, the the reactions to it have been too strong for me for me not to do that. Um, uh, Who do we think is the dad? He looks the baby looks awfully he, he looks like Clintish. a yeah. He looks like a certain archer. He looks Clintish. Um, <laughs> so uh, that would be something. I want to move on to talk about. I want you to, to your your Batman Superman stories, Bob. But just quick, give me a give me a two sentence. On Power Man Iron Fist. All you need is a page. Yeah, but this, <laughs> Go ahead. But, well, well, there are people, lots of pages. People can't of, see the page. There are lots of pages of fiddle faddling, and, yeah. and <laughs> as she was talking about, but there's a battle in the streets, and we we get a, a Spider Woman, Spider Gwen <laughs> running commentary. <laughs> uh, tons of humor. The, the idea of them being a team is slowly coming together. Danny wants it. Luke is still, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. That's because Jessica hates me, right, Luke? <laughs> and that's what's through this whole book. It's this friendship, and it's just charming and wonderful. Sanford Green's art and David Walker's script, just amazing. The cast of characters in that book is phenomenal. It's like one of the the foes of Spider-Man where it's like D and mm-hmm. C-listers that fill the book, and mm-hmm. there's something about those characters. The, the way that certain writers write them, it's so damn funny. There's there's laughs on every page mm-hmm. coming from the villains. I love that. Yeah, lots of character building here, and that's what's important. We're moving into where this is mm-hmm. going to be very self-sustaining moving They're on. They're constantly talking about Tombstone's voice yeah. and the way that he talks into his phone. It's hysterical. He's holding the phone away from his mouth, right? Yeah, he's doing it again, isn't he? I can never hear him when he talks like that. I love it. Awesome. That's great. All right, awesome. So uh, we got Batman v Superman Dawn Justice coming out next week, and... and uh, uh, before I realized that the, Daredevil came out this week, we were going to talk about Batman Superman stories this week. But because of that, this coming out, and that, that we, we can't do a whole topic on it. But 
Bob hasn't seen Daredevil. So no. Bob needs something to talk about. Uh, right. Before <laughs> before I just sit here and listen to all you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be the short version yes. of this sort of Batman-Superman yeah. history deal. Now, we all know, you know Superman comes first, beats mm-hmm. Batman by a year. They're actually, the first time they're sort of on a cover together is World's Best Comics, which I have I have a reprint. Plastic this not, Man. This is the, <laughs> this, he's wasn't on that cover. I don't, I don't believe you. Anyway, it was given out at the World's Fair in 1940. They don't appear in the book together. That doesn't really happen for a very long time. The first book they're in, there are in a couple of panels of All-Star number seven, but their first team-up is on the radio. Really? It's on the Superman radio show in 1945. Uh, Superman, who was played by Bud Collier, used to host to tell the truth on television. He was a game show host in the 50s and 60s. And he did that, this is a job for Superman. He, he came up with that that everyone does now. Superman discovers an unconscious Robin, and then they team up to go fight bad guys. Bud Collier, who was doing tons and tons of radio work, would take time off, and he'd end up knocked out by Kryptonite, which was also created for the radio show, and Batman would step in for, for a couple of weeks so that Collier could have some time off. Wait, Kryptonite was created for, for the radio show? Really? Yeah. I did not know element, that. It was Element K, I believe is what they called it on the radio. Fun facts. Yeah, the there you go. Uh, they're actually in All-Star 36, and that's the cover of All-Star 36. Are these Justice originals? Society. Some of these are originals. That's not an original yeah. from 1940. Okay. I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd be in Aruba. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, in the Justice Society, Superman and Batman were only honorary members because they belonged to DC and all the other Justice Society characters belonged to All-American, Max Gaines's company. So in All-Star 36, they're actually in it together, which is only one of three times during the 1940s. Where it all starts really is Superman number 76 in 1952. Batman, well, Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent are on a cruise together and they're sharing a room. Wait a minute. Bruce has how much money and he's got, he can't get a private cabin on a cruise ship? And there's, there's a fire and they're going to save people and the lights go out. Oh, we can both change. The lights come on. And they're looking at each other and we go from there. Uh, the book where they were together the most was World's Finest. Mm. And in the 71st issue of that in 1954, they teamed up for the first time. And that would last for more than 30 years. World's Finest 323 was the end of the crisis when that was then the end of that team. But the book has come back since and mm. changed, but we've had Superman, Batman, and a few yeah. others. Then you, now it's it more into recommendations. The, the, yeah. the, the prehistory of this, if you're going to see this new movie, and everyone I'm sure listening to my voice is going to go <laughs> see the, the movie tomorrow, as, as we are, you have to have read Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns mm-hmm. because that is really the basis of there's friction between these two characters yeah. where before they were always the best of buddies mm-hmm. and we're, we're in this together. And even though they had different methods, it, it, they were together and united in their love for fixing things. Mm-hmm. That starts to change things. And in the, in the first post-crisis team-up is when John Byrne uh, revamped Superman and it's Man of Steel number three. Superman shows up in Gotham City and... To him, Batman's a vigilante. Mm-hmm. So he shows he grabs the bat rope, he's flying up through the sea, like, well, that's it. I'm, you know, taking you in and you know, this isn't like uh, Metropolis, Batman tells me, you know, but I've been following you. I know what, what to do, and I've got my own thing to do here. Yeah, but I'm gonna I'll take you in right now. I could fly you to jail before you could blink. Well, no, you can't. 
<laughs> because I've got this force field that surrounds you. You can see it, right, with that vision of yours. Yeah. Well, if you penetrate this force field, a bomb will go off somewhere in Gotham City and kill an innocent person. You wouldn't do that, would you? Yes, I would. And they go solve the crime they're going to solve. And I'm going to spoil a 30-year-old book. At the end, when they're finally, he, Superman gives them some grudging respect. He, Batman reaches into his utility belt. Here's the bomb. <laughs> the person I was going to kill is me. I'm an innocent person. Mm. I wouldn't have killed anybody else. Mm. So you get the sort of edgy Batman, yeah. but still have, he's not that guy yet. So tricksy, Batman. He is. Very tricksy. He very is that. Uh, everyone sh- has probably read Kingdom Come, mm-hmm. which the ending, particularly in the collected editions, are so wonderful. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman sitting mm-hmm. together in a bar. Well, the, the, was it Cafe Metropolis or whatever? Yeah. I forget what the name is. Anyway, it's a hol- no, Planet Metropolis. <laughs> Planet Krypton. Planet Krypton. Uh, on, on that basis, Matt Wagner's Trinity. Hmm. which is just awesome. I have this. I've never read it. Oh, it's spectacular. On that same sort of craziness, there was a book came out in, it's 2003, I believe it is, World's Funnest. It's Evan Dorkin and basically everyone who's ever worked in comics <laughs> before or since. Because we have, oh, I wrote them all down. Mike Allred, Brian Boland, Frank Cho, Phil Jimenez, Frank Miller, Shelley Moldo, who did Batman back in the 50s, Bruce Tim, Alex Ross, Dave Gibbons does a whole bunch of this. Mm. Mr. Migs at Pitlick and Batmite. It's the 50s. It's Two the of the Ridge. most ridiculous characters who's ever yes. been created. And so it's <laughs> set in that 50s crazy universe mm-hmm. where Batman could be a zebra or yeah. be a, the phantom Batman. Superman could have a giant ant head or mm. all the rest of it. They're fighting over, they, they've arrested Luther and the Joker. And in an accidental moment, uh, Batman gets killed. And then Superman gets killed by Batmite because well, you can't kill my hero. Blah blah blah. They start fighting until they're eventually the size of galaxies, and they're hitting each other over the head with the Andromeda galaxy and planets and stars until they destroy everything. They then bounce through every DC universe with various versions of Batman and Superman and every alternate universe you can imagine. It's just tons of fun. If you want something a little lighter after all this heavy sort of stuff, there's that. The other thing that I mentioned, John Byrne before, he did three miniseries called Generations, and all imaginary stories, but they were set generally 10 years apart. So the first one begins in 39 and 1949. And you see the characters age. There's tons of loss because mm-hmm. it's people are aging and dying and bad things are happening. But it's all done in such a way that you're invested and hurt and crushed and uplifted all at once. We see their sons and daughters and marriages and the far future. The first first one's the best. The second one isn't bad either. That brings in a lot of the other DC Universe characters. So uh, Unfortunately, there was a trade, but they're all out of print. Uh, I just saw someone the other day at a sale at one of our local stores buy this entire run of books for 50 cents apiece. <laughs> wow. So if, if you check in, just, they were popular then, but his you know, those stories don't count anymore, so they're sort of out there. While I'm to finish off with, I want to mention my least favorite Batman Superman story of all time. <laughs> and it's Batman Superman number 27 by Mark Verheden and Kevin McGuire, who I love. Mm-hmm. Now, I got this book not because I bought it, because it was gifted to me by Brian Verderos's dad. <laughs> he said, Here, I don't have any room for this, and Brian doesn't want these. So here's some. Yeah. Here's the here's first some, page. Right. Here's some books you might like. Steve is referring to a shot that I think. 
Huntress's gynecologist hook. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, in this story, it isn't about Batman Superman exactly. It's Huntress and Power Girl who are actually Superman and Batman, the ultra humanite, having switched their brains back and forth. Of course. What we have are lots of, lots of panels of um, uh, body parts in interesting positions and talks about uh, drafts and lots of leering. And it, it, with, with a certain sense of humor, I guess you could look at this and just say, well, this is so bad, it's good. The art is terrible. And I love Kevin McGuire. Mm-hmm. And this is not him at his best. I don't know is it is an inker or editorial decisions or he just had he was art robot and told to do this. Because he did the Giffen Justice Leagues for years. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. hysterically funny. He was doing World's Finest with George Perez. And here, not so much. Now, the one other thing I want to bring up having this here, in the current continuity with Superman and Batman at odds more often than not. The relationship in the DC universe that is most like the old Superman and Batman mm-hmm. is Huntress and Power Girl, mm-hmm. yeah, which started in the old All Star books back in the seventies, and that's it still plays itself out not so much there. Mm-hmm. But that's you know that's my quick take on all this sort of stuff, and I'm sure there are certainly other things people would want to gravitate to. I'm gonna go home and watch the Batman Superman animated movie. Oh, what the uh, which one from the Superman? Not not Public Enemies, which is also oh, very, very good. good. Yeah, but the original one from the oh, okay Tim verse, I guess you call yeah, it yeah. the Dini verse. Uh, yeah, yeah, I still think that the Dini. Ver- I think the most wanted one or whatever Public Enemies. Yes. is still in the Tim verse because he was still working on it. At that oh, point. Right. that may be the last one before. Yeah, no, the the last no. one he did was Dark Knight Returns. I think was the last one that they did together. Um, but the uh, mentioning the the Public Enemies that's based on uh the Jeff Loeb Ed McGinnis. One through twenty-five, yes. one through twenty-six, um, uh, Superman, Batman <laughs> run, which the one just before this. Remember one? that <laughs> one, yeah, yeah which I, I've read some of and, and have enjoyed greatly. It's 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 a very very good run, um, and I highly recommend it for something like that. But yeah, we're gonna see. I mean, again, like you said, it seems like a lot of what they're basing off of the relationship in this movie that we're gonna see is off Dark Knight Returns, which is obviously sort of the inverse flip over how it originally started. So we'll see how you build from what was. An ending, but yeah. we'll, we'll see how, how it all goes down. Um, so go on the forums, uh, people. Post your own list yes. of these things because we all need more reading to do. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe not this one. Maybe no, not, not, not that one. Not that one. Definitely not that one. I was about to complain about a big league chew ad in the back, but then I read the bottom <laughs> and it made sense. There you go. Something about it being the equivalent of having your own baseball card. I was like, how's chewing gum like having a baseball card? <laughs> Whatever, Big League Chew. I yes. still love you. Your grape flavor is amazing. Um, all right. So that's it for, for um, the Batman Superman talk and our comic talk. Um, now Bob's going to shut up for an hour while we talk about it. Yes, we'll see you Mostly. Too. No, but I would like you to ask questions if you have questions I'd like you to comment on because I think it will help it run yeah. smoothly and it'll be better. It'll, I think it'll be good to have someone who hasn't seen it to ask us questions. So uh, like I say at the top of the show um, – how we always do this stuff. We're going to do a non-spoilery kind of top level conversation to start out with, you know, what we think of the overall season, um, you know, perf- you know, actors, performances, stuff like that. Um, and so like, I always say like, if you don't want to know anything about the show, you probably shouldn't, you shouldn't listen. Um, but we will give you a clear indication that we're going to talk about spoilers after this. And we're going to do our best really I don't want to talk about any really plot in the, in the top level conversation, except for like the overall idea of, of the season, because again, cause it's a, it's a 13 episode show. You could be spoiling something that happens in episode two. If someone's on episode one. So we want to, we're going to be careful with that. Um, 
you know, but just know, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, the, the, the Punisher's in the show. Yeah. So you have to, you know, if you don't want to know anything about the show, um, you're going to want to tune out now. But if you have seen the show or you just want to hear, is it worth your 13 hours of time? Um, listen for the next little bit and then we'll give you a clear indication of when, of when spoilers are, are, are going to come up. Um, so because, Stephanie, you haven't got to talk very much yet uh, on this episode <laughs> of the show. Um, I want to ask you, uh, you know, overall impressions of season one. Sorry, how do you think it matches up and people show you, you this is a very hot take because you just finished the finale oh. yeah like i literally like <laughs> like i it's not even been half now yeah uh what you think of it right now of your first impressions compared to season one um and just sort of your overall feelings on the uh the season two of daredevil i have really mixed feelings about it um the first season was really interesting because it was the first netflix Marvel TV show. So it was setting the pace for what the rest of this um, Marvel Cinematic Universe would be like on an on-demand platform. Um, The first season was obviously like, no matter what you do with Daredevil post Ben Affleck, people are going to probably love. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. I like that movie is a guilty pleasure movie. Like straight up, I'm admitting that. But like, you can do pretty much any movie and it'll be better. Although we probably said the same thing about Fantastic Four. So I digress. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyways, so the second season, um, there's a lot of, um, you know, in the trailers, I don't think this is a spoiler at all, but there's like a lot of Punisher in it. Yeah, of course. Like um, it's almost more for a while the Punisher story than Daredevil. Like, it's this season to me isn't as focused on Matt Murdock and everything going on with him. Like everything is kind of a sidebar. Like a lot of it is um, Frank Castle's story and introduction and kind of trying to reiterate what he's gone through uh, without being like, we've made two movies. Mm -hmm. Like let's bash your head in with like trying to tell you how awful his world is. Um, thankfully they don't feel the need to show us like the murder of his family. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually surprised about that. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, me I too. was like, me too, thank absolutely. you. Um, anyways, but, um, there was a lot more Punisher in it than I thought. Like I thought Punisher was going to be more of a cameo sort of thing. I didn't watch a lot of the trailers. Like mm. I just didn't want to be spoiled. Uh, but I was surprised by how much of him was there and how little lawyering there was. Like, Foggy is barely in the show at all, really. Um, Karen's story takes a very weird turn. Um, Matt can't figure out for the life of him what he's doing. Um, he has really, there's really cool fight scenes. Um, the Punisher stuff, Punisher stuff is really cool. But I, I feel like I have some mixed feelings about everything else. Um, I really liked the girl that was cast as Electra, Elodie Young. Young? Yeah. Um, I thought she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Loved her. And for the most part, I really liked what they did with Electra as well. Mm-hmm. For the for the most part. Again, I have some issues which I don't want to get into until Spoiler time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but like 
the the pacing for this season was kind of slow. Um, it was like it was like they kind of tried to pull a Hobbit, where they had a really short script and they tried to stretch it out over thirteen episodes. Um, and they don't do a lot of filler, but there, I feel like, is a lot of stuff that could have been cut out. Like, you could have made this easily six to ten episodes. And I don't know, like, it's not bad. It just wasn't good. It went from being five stars on my Netflix to four. <laughs> Um, so overall for you, not as good as season one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Steve, what about you? Uh, I definitely enjoyed season one more than two. I felt like two was, uh, unfocused at certain points. It's, let's put it this way. In comparison to season one, when season one hit, I was engaged the entire time. I watched it from beginning to end in one sitting. I got up early in the day, went into the next day to finish it, and... I watched this season over a span of, I think, three days, but somewhere in the middle, I became restless with some of what was going on, and uh, we'll get into some of those details later. But uh, overall, I really, really, really liked what they did with the Punisher. I really liked the Punisher stuff a lot. Uh, I find it pretty amazing how, for the second time in in this series, they've taken an unlikable character and have given them depth beyond what I know about them. Like I haven't read a bunch of Punisher stuff. I know that he kills people and lives by his own rules and he's an ant- kind of an anti-hero and he's just, you know, the lone wolf, blah, blah, blah. That's pretty much the Punisher. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and you know, I, I read like the only true Punisher thing I've ever read is the rocker run, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Yeah. But I, was like, all right, what are they going to do? I didn't watch any trailers. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any teasers. All I saw was a was a Netflix menu, mm-hmm. and that was it. So, and I have never liked John Bernthal. And then I saw him as the Punisher. I am now a fan mm-hmm. of John Bernthal. He pulled a true detective Matthew McConaughey on me, and I'm like, wow, this guy. When they give him a scene to do something and to work it, he really works it like his his stories and his reckon you know uh talking about things of his past really pulled me in and kind of the metaphors that he was using and uh yeah really really enjoyed him i thought electra was good there's a there's an aspect of her character that i guess we'll talk about later that kind of threw me a bit uh skipping over other stuff that i don't want to ruin a lot less matt murdoch like stephanie said I felt like there was considerably less Daredevil and a lot more Karen Page in the season. We spent a Karen lot Page, of time. Karen Page, girl detective. Yeah, I I like her character, and I Deborah Ann Wall is is fantastic. But I just I found myself watching, and I'm like, man, she has had the most screen time out of anybody in this show. I I think you're that's exaggerating. You don't think so? No, I mean if you go back and watch the first season of the show. 
and compare like the amount of time the Kingpin has to the amount of time the Punisher has, yeah. they're very equal. And and I think that Karen is has a lot to do in that first season as well. Mm-hmm. I think there it's a lot more even. If you went back and watched it comp- like comparatively, yeah. Um, again, and your feeling about it is your feeling. So if you felt like there was too much of of that character and not enough of another character, that's totally valid. But I think as far as time breakups, yeah. I think if you go back and watch. Um, that first season, well, I think you're going to see a lot of similarities. I think you notice her a lot more because she's the link. Yes. Yes. Right? So, totally. Like, yes. You you see her a lot and you pay attention to her a lot um, because she's the one bringing the the kind of stories together. Yeah, the two you worlds know? together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, so you you're aware of her presence because without her kind of being, you know, the girl detective, mm-hmm. yeah. um, those things wouldn't be happening. So she's really the catalyst for a lot of the, pretty much everything that happens with the Punisher after a certain point. Yeah. Um, and his story progression. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's absolutely. a really good point. That's maybe, that's why I felt that way. Yeah, yeah maybe. Um, so overall, you like season one more than season yes. two? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm opposite of you guys. Like, okay. I, I think I like season two a little, a little bit more. Um, very close for me, obviously, because uh, I love season one. Um, the, I, I thought the uh, the in season two um, that it was a really gr- good move of them to have two major storylines that they could go between. You know, because w- the thing about the first season, while it's great, there really was basically one one story following about one mission to do one thing and there's a great focus to that but in this being able to go from the Electra stuff to the Punisher stuff I I think really gave the show for me a more more of a sense of forward momentum than than the first season had um and that's very much like liking the way the first season was structured and, and it's pacing so it's it's not necessarily a better thing but it's a different thing and that different thing for me I, I think uh worked uh really really well um Charlie Cox is so good as, mm-hmm. as Matt Murdock and he perfectly encapsulates the thing about Matt, which I, I think is often hardest to nail about any character in, in any sort of thing, which is that he's an incredibly good person who wants to do the right thing all the time, but he has so much guilt and so much self doubt at times and is, and carries so much on his shoulders, such a martyr, which is one thing a character says to him at some point that he can't he doesn't know how to relate and how to keep the people who are closest to him actually close to him and he pushes them away and he often is selfish because he because uh, he doesn't know how to compartmentalize his life in any sort of healthy way and that has always been one of the things i found most interesting about matt in 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 the books which is that he just he's really great at being daredevil and really bad at being Matt Murdock, you know, <laughs> and that is encapsulated, I think, perfectly, especially in this season. Because that was definitely a part of the season. Yeah, because sure. he's just he is just continuously getting in his own way on the on the Matt Murdock side of things. Um, there is less foggy in the season than there was in the last season, which I think is is a bummer to me. But the times when we have foggy yeah, in the show, say, yeah. he's great. And I've seen. Oh, I thought you were going to say you're just yelling at the TV. Get a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's great, and I've seen stories, I've seen reviews that really dog him for his performance, and and I think he's just. I think he's just wonderful in, in, in the show, and every time he's given something to do, I think he nails it. His big scenes are really awesome. Yeah, um, you know, uh, as a fan of the Daredevil comics, uh, 
they've done more with Karen Page in sixteen or uh, twenty six episodes of a television show than they ever did with her in, in the comics. They've made her into a character who has her own agency, mm-hmm. who's not just, she's not just Matt Murdock's girlfriend. Who, if you know the way the Daredevil goes, especially in Born Again, is is basically tossed out to the to the wolves at some point for story concerns into a character who um i i think is very interesting and when she's on screen i'm completely fascinated in, in, in what she's doing um i, I, I don't want to i i don't want to get into this specifically but i disagree in some ways but like i don't want to okay. say anything until well we'll talk about that yeah. when, we, when we get to the, I, the spoiler section definitely just to say what what a positive for her i like where she ends up by mm. the end i think i think that direction okay for her is yeah. very cool um i do think there are, there are some because elements... there's definitely not enough girl reporters in the world um, in comics okay i mean <laughs> i'm just <Carry> on. <laughs> um uh there are some a couple things in this uh in the in the season that i have problems with with her character but we'll get into that when we get into spoiler stuff because okay. uh it's, it's a little bit more in depth with, with stuff that goes on um I, I definitely agree about Elodie El- Young as a lecturer. I think her performance is is, is dynamite, and uh, her and Matt have her and Charlie Cox have like an electric chemistry hey. that wasn't meant to be a. Are you on the pun train? No, yeah, no pun. Oh, I'm so proud. You're cracking, of you. man. You're cracking. You don't even know it. Uh, there's a there's he so. Who's gonna much... be proud of you too? <laughs> you know you're never gonna live this down. I know, I know. There's so much heat between them when they're in, in scenes together, uh, and it's just every scene like uh, you can just feel something under the surface connection yeah there's like, a, a like real a power connection like a power <laughs> connection yeah like a power connection um and great and uh I, I love the fighting style of hers and i love how they sort of get into her her character and they there's for people who haven't watched yet who are wondering how close it sticks to sort of like the comic version of the character in some ways it's incredibly close and in some ways they do their completely their own thing with, with, with the character um uh and you know, obviously, John Bernthal as as the Punisher is fantastic. I mean, it's hands down the best iteration of him in any sort of screen form that we've gotten so far. I mean, not that that's saying like a ton. Um, Tom Jane is Dolph Lundgren. Uh, yeah, Dolph Lundgren, whatever. Tom Jane, very well-meaning <laughs> yeah. actor who was in a very bad movie. Obviously, loves that character very much and never got a chance, I think, really to do the character he wanted to do. And Ray Stevenson is like gleefully crazy in like that Punisher Warzone movie, which is a batshit movie, but. You know that all take that all deals with like the, the sort of, it it it, it sort of like revels in the violence of the character. Whereas this, there's a specific scene I'm not gonna get into it where it's like it's like a daredevil fight scene, but with the Punisher, and it completely shows you like, if if, if you leave that scene being like, yeah, this guy's really cool, then there's you got problems, <laughs> you know. Uh oh. <laughs> Uh, but the, but every scene he's in, every time he's talking, every time he's every time you're learning more about him, he just brings so much to the role. There's there's something behind everything that he says, and and he, he just inhabits it perfectly. And it doesn't hurt that he looks like exactly like like it looks like he came out of the comic book, um, basically. Does he do the whole war journal thing? Is it internal monologues? No, no internal monologues. It's not his show. It very much still is like. Um, and then this is one of I think the issues with the show, and this in this way I'll, I'll, I think I agree in some ways with what Stephanie and what Steve was saying a little bit about perspective stuff is that the show sometimes doesn't it has sometimes it has rules about who you're following, and sometimes it doesn't have rules about who you're you know it, sometimes you'll you'll be in a scene o- alone with a character who you've never been in a scene alone with that character before, and it will feel weird because 
you haven't ever been following him through the story before. And I think sometimes the show decides when you're going to follow him and when you're not going to follow him. And those decisions feel more like um, cinematic trickery to me than like like organic story stuff. Um, and the show does have some times where I think it slips into like you've seen this in every other sort of you know thrill crime thriller before moments um or mystery movie before moments that uh that disappoint me but those moments are mm-hmm. very sparse compared to i think what is an excellent excellent season of television and uh they they do it they do it they do it it's very obviously like okay you know that fight scene we did in episode three of the last show mm-hmm. well here it comes at our end of episode three fight scene in this show we're gonna do a lot uh-huh. we're gonna do it better and it's a crazy yes crazy scene and it's awesome um and there are and the thing about daredevil which is it's both a compliment to the show and it's so, it, it's in a weird way an, an insult to the show is that every fight scene is so well choreographed and so well done that at a certain point when you're watching them you're like yeah this is just like the last one even though it's done really really well Sometimes they pack it too much with uh, a lot of fist fighting, but uh, lots of punchings, lots of punches to the face, lots of punches to the face. Spoilers! Uh, <laughs> I have things to say. Lots of punches to the face. Lots <laughs> of punches to the face. Could that be as much a function of how is getting how it's getting watched? Mm. Yeah, there's an interesting thing because like I think that, but I will say that this this season was way craftier about the way they ended episodes to get you to want to watch the next episode there they definitely had they were definitely there was definitely like a five episode run where it was like cliffhanger 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 and like i was like i can't not watch the next episode considering what just happened at the end of, of this episode but um you know overall i i absolutely loved it and and there are things i i like way more about this season than i liked about season one and then other things i didn't like as, as much but the overall picture for me is, is is very very positive i definitely had a few more like oh shit mm-hmm. moments than i did in the first season just in terms of like oh my god either somebody whatever mm. i'm not we're good we're just yeah, about to talk getting, spoilers, yeah we're, so. we're, we're about to get into but there there were definitely times where i was like where's my phone where's my phone i gotta say something <laughs> vague but excited oh my god um yeah good stuff though so bob do you have any uh like non-spoiler questions nope. someone you haven't seen nope. it that you want us to answer okay mm. so uh, at this point we're gonna we're gonna transition off of the, the the non-spoilery talk and get into it i mean uh you know there's even something i want to talk about happens in like episode two or three that we can't talk about yet because i don't want to spoil anything for anybody so we're gonna cut this off now for anybody who hasn't watched the show yet um if you have watched the show or you don't care feel free to stay with us but we're gonna give you a couple seconds of silence so that you get out of here and then we're gonna we're gonna kick it off so if you haven't watched the show tune out now all right so First question yes does it wear the outfit does he, does he actually wear the daredevil suit yeah the one he gets the one he gets yeah. one at the end and then he also they also one thing i didn't say in this because I, I was like it's not really a spoiler but like it's a cool thing they give like a story reason to change the cowl, which was kind of the most sort of like maligned part of the costume because the, the horns were very snubby and like it was like it wasn't very like devilly. And in the f- like, I think it's it's in the first episode when he gets shot in the head. Yes, first or second. First yeah. or second, like Punisher basically shoots him like right in like the the, it's the end blank. of the first episode. He says bang and bang. It falls yeah, off yeah, the yeah. Roof. So it cracks the helmet, and so uh, Melvin Potter has to make him a new helmet. And when he makes him a new helmet, it's got like it's got much more of the horns. It's got a lot less black on the helmet. It's got like you know just like lines in between the red. Um, and it's got these crazy red eyes. Yeah, it's got like like a, uh, like a mesh on the side of the face. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So it's, it looks much more like the comic than it's like Chris Somney. Yeah. Style daredevil. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, 
and he i mean he cuts a mean figure as as daredevil like i see him in some of those scenes and i'm like i would be really scared if <laughs> he's got that like stock still staring down partially yeah. at the ground down, yeah look down real yeah well. yeah yeah and that superhero landing yeah, he definitely got a superhero landing yeah. going on. Um, so, uh, yeah, I want us each to go kind of into to spoiler stuff. But one of the biggest things that happens, which I was, I, they did a great job of hiding, is that um, Kingpin is in yeah. this season of Daredevil. That was one of my oh shit moments. And man. a lot more than I expected. And like, even when he showed, I was like, hey, this is going to be like a one episode thing. And he's about three episodes or whatever of, of, of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely sets up, I think, stuff that's going to come in season three. Um, I think they are going to go into sort of born again uh, area because he obviously is sort of looking to break down Murdoch's life in, in, in a lot of ways. But they bring Kingpin back and tie him in to, to, to the Punisher stuff. Um, and the scene I was talking about was that scene in the jail. Yep. When he kind of goes down that sort the of raid. the raid, yeah, the raid, and he, like, he, and it's it's like a Daredevil hallway scene where Daredevil is punching everybody, but he is like Punisher's killing everyone with shivs, and it's like Ooh. it's brutal. It yeah, is it's so really, brutal, really and brutal. it it really sticks in your face. Like this is what it actually looks like for this to happen to someone, and I think it continues that sort of idea of consequences that that, that the first uh, season did mm-hmm. did so well, um, because there are moments where like Karen is like, yeah, I, I think maybe he's like. Like I understand why he's doing it, but when then she's like confronted by the horror of what it actually looks like when he does it, mm-hmm. she's like, "No, nope, <laughs> no, this is not this is not the way it should be." Um, and I thought that was good because it gives you it it it, it gives her as sort of like a like the the viewer kind of way because you think about it sometimes you're like, "Well, yeah, like they would stay down if, if, if you know Daredevil like these people come back and they do all this horrible stuff. What if the Punisher is doing something that isn't?" so bad and you can say that when you're sort of removed from seeing what he actually does and then when you see what he actually does up close it is brutal yeah it is super brutal yeah um and uh yeah and all this stuff i mean we'll get into but i love that scene on the boat where matt's like maybe this time just this one time we do it your way oh yeah and he's and 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 you can see because you expect like the punisher to kind of be like okay yeah but he's like no like once you go over (laughs) to my side you can't go back and you can see in that moment that he he understands that he's broken and that he he can't he doesn't want it to happen to, to someone else. And I thought that was a really good moment between the two of them. And overall, they have a really I think a really good uh, repertoire together. I mean, that's I think that's the best part of the show. Wh- like, which part? The their kind of debate, like it's mm-hmm. like that sort of not to the same degree, but like that Batman Joker. Yes, absolutely. Of. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentality where one is willing to do certain things to towards their cause and obviously the joker doesn't really necessarily have a cause but he's his cause is mayhem yeah exactly yes and the punisher is kind of aligned with that with a goal of vengeance in mind Mm -hmm. yeah and um you know obviously daredevil's batman in this Mm -hmm. um, metaphor but like one's willing to do things and kind of has this struggle with whether or not he wants to cross that line for the sake of putting somebody down permanently Mm -hmm. and you know i i like their relationship where they have this sort of mutual hatred slash admiration for each other yeah absolutely yeah like they both like there's a lot of times where frank in his kind of most aggressive moments towards daredevil is just kind of trying to be like I don't need you to, like, I, I wish you wouldn't stop me, but I just need you to understand. Like, yeah. just try and see it from my perspective. 
And which is where Karen comes in because she's the only one that really does. Yeah, yeah. And, and I like that they play off of what happened in the first season when she shoots Wesley. Like, you can see that, like, behind a lot of what stuff that she's doing when she's trying to, like, understand why Frank is doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like well, that they sort the of... Posters, the posters for the second season, you know, she's with a stack of books and kind of looking a bit dismal and there's a skull looming over her Mm -hmm. like sort of a Shakespearean skull sort of thing but it's very much like death looms over her and like Mm. consumes her like it becomes something that she's constantly looking over her shoulder about like she is terrified yeah always yeah she's like the Hulk but instead of angry she's scared (laughs) I felt like in the the moments where they're sitting together in the hospital Mm -hmm. and she asks her to stay like he'll only speak with Mm. her that he says you know you've been in my house and he kind of wants to know more about that but i i immediately got the feeling that he knows that she's killed and she knows what it's like to kill and it was kind of another thing going on between their their relationship and why he decided to choose her like he saw it in her face or in her eyes or her body language or something like that i don't know if anybody else picked up on that no definitely there are several moments where he says something to her and she kind of reacts in a certain way yeah and as you as you go on the show you learn about frank right and Mm -hmm. there's that thing with the um you know uh the general or whatever which we'll get into in a second um who says like you know he could tell you were bullshitting from a mile away it's like he was looking into your soul yeah and 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 she gets that from him uh, i think a lot um Mm -hmm. and uh i i I really there was a lot for her to do in this season and and i enjoy and she she has a fierceness about her that has nothing to do with her physicality right because she's not Mm -hmm. very physically able at all but her she has she's able to get out of situations and she she has the same sort of like reckless abandon as well that matt has in a lot of ways you know where she kind of doesn't care about the consequences sometimes because the right thing is sitting in front of her or the answers are sitting in front of her and she's going to go get them no matter what she was awesome during that hostage situation which is one of my problems with the storyline yes because they didn't need to do that like okay it It was really there towards the end there's a lot of really rushed weird decisions like to be honest none of that had any sort of resolution for me like i was like oh okay like it just this stuff with the general and all that like none of it had any of this (gasps) moment for me i really thought that reyes's uh right hand dude was gonna kind of come into things Mm -hmm. yeah like a bit and i thought that would have wound up being still more shocking than what they did like there's that moment where frank's on the boat and the one guy says it's been a long time, Frank. Yeah. And that should be a moment when you're like, oh, oh my God. But instead you're like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, this this is your payoff? This is bullshit. Yeah. Like, it yes. was a lot of, like, it was a lot of setup for nothing. You know, mm-hmm. it's still a good show, but I think a lot of the letdown for me was these payoff moments that, meant nothing to mm. the viewers. Yeah, I, I that's my biggest issue with the show is that whole kind of the general, like the blacksmith angle because mm-hmm. they build it up and they build it up and then the way they pay it off is kind of the most like rote cliche, like r- reporter, so go, reporter goes to like 
bad guy's house, not knowing he's the bad guy, like sees a picture of something that spurs something in their head, and then they can't hide it well enough for the bad guy not to realize that they figured it out. And you know, Karen does so much stuff in that in that in that in the season where she is the engine behind figuring stuff out. You know, and I'm totally willing to say like there are there is a merit to like just being in the right place at the right time and just and she's always and so her being there at all make it gives her a reason to f- figure it out but, but it felt so forced yes exactly like she and she if she it's had, like she was ready to quit like she's not a reporter like mm. what the hell was that guy thinking sending out somebody who he's like literally doesn't even really have on the payroll mean like go get him champ that's not how work works <laughs> that's not how life works like, um come on i'm 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 willing to be like she's a great investigator. Cool, this is a thing. But like, girl reporter, really? We have Lois Lane. Yeah, but that's a DC character, and I think I with, without like, Karen, something you could have given her. Like when Matt was like, "Have you thought about law school?" I was like, "This would be really cool to see her kind of want to do her own thing to like pursue her own version of justice based on what." she's lived through and experienced and i was like that would be a really cool path for her to take and they copped out by being like psych you don't need any smarts for this like go go forth you're already like you know part of the scooby gang but go, go do this but like, i think I, what I you're think saying that though is not how I but i think what you're saying though her going going out and using her own doing her own thing and finding her own brand of justice i think that's what she is doing you know I, 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 and i think that her becoming a reporter is a way, I mean, just for the show wise to give her something to do that doesn't make her reliant always on Matt and foggy for, for storylines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that was the main part of it to me, which, which, which I thought worked for her. Well, okay, let me just say something to, to that is he give, he gives her Ben York's office. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Yeah. He says, you know, yeah. why don't you leave your stuff here? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Considering how much respect Ben had had at one point and how prolific he was for his job, the idea that she's being ushered into this position and she could be the next, you know, great Ben Urich or something like that. Not with that piece she wrote in the final episode. Yeah, that was a bad voiceover for the end. I will, I will say that that was I was like, it was her first one. I know, but I was still like, come on, like the writers of the show could have written a better voiceover for her to yeah, do at the end. They could have definitely made it a lot more convincing to yeah, me yeah. that she is a reporter. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say that I do agree with you, Stephanie, that I feel like I don't I don't the destination where she ends up, I think is a good destination for her. I don't like how quickly buy- she gets there. That, that's the part that I will say that I don't necessarily it buy. It's super interesting to maybe have her crossover into like Jessica Jones, maybe have her do like private investigating or doing her own thing and not necessarily strictly like Jessica Jones style, but like lead into something like that that's more interesting than just girl reporter. Like I, I, I recognize what they're trying to do, but like it just felt so, I don't know, cliche. It felt cliche. Like, this is the only job you can give her. Mm. And I, I liked Electra's stuff, too. But I liked Electra. I'm sorry, I'm skipping over to her, but I'm just on the topic of the women in the show. Mm. But Electra was great. I really enjoyed her character. And I enjoyed this thing where she's like, you can't tell me what to do. Like, I own me. Like, I make my own choices and then there's like this thing where she's kind of breaking down she's like do i make my own choices am i a weapon and then matt's like i can't be with you i never watch you again and then like maybe we can make this work but only because i think you're out of control and you need a babysitter 
And then he's like, oh my god, no, I can't be with you. Like, you're a murderer and a monster. This could never be. And then, I'm hollow without you. <laughs> like, it's just these stupid cliches that they hit on when it comes to the women in the show. And I know that's maybe exhausting to hear from me, but, like, I'm exhausted of seeing these tropes done over and over again. I don't want to keep seeing these things recur. And they're, yeah, they're given more than kind of characters may have been given 10 years ago. But, like, that doesn't mean that you need to resort to the same things over and over again. And I don't know. Like, I, I think that they built up so much for the character of Electra and Karen. And they didn't live up to what they could have been as of, like, the halfway mark of the show for me. Now, d- I one of my one of the things I did really like about the the ending with Electra is I felt like she kind of through the whole show right is saying like I, I'm my own person you can't tell me what to do yeah but she's in but she's in fact most of the show being led around by forces that she can't see right and and it isn't really until that last moment where she really decides on her own to do whatever what she wants to do you but know like because in the part where she kind of get goes she actually you know there's that part at the end where matt and her are kind of outside the building um and matt's like i'm going in he's like you know she's like it's not a smart play he's like it's the only play i gotta go to work and he goes inside and she could easily do the thing that she would always do which was her own self-interest or the sort of like the, the sort of like calculated decision right which is to go after nobu and leave matt to distract everything else that's going on but she decides to to put her kind of own life aside and try to help these people and in the end you know she cho- she doesn't choose to be the weapon she chooses to take away the weapon from the the hand but like the redemption stuff is tired too like just let a character be badass like but she, she- is badass she is badass she didn't stop killing in the in the end She's still she's still sick and size in people's heads when, <laughs> before she dies, you know. Um, yeah, and then she dies, and I I know like the electoral arc, like I know yeah, yeah. she's meant to come back. Well, and obviously, because at the end you, like, you see the thing happening. Still, like it's just it's tired. I mean, I, I, for me, for me as a fan of the the comic book stuff, like I I want to see that relationship between Matt and Electra, and then I want to see the sort of the the breaking of that relationship, which happens in this death moment and when she comes back and she comes back as sort of like a different sort of person or, or, or what have you so I, I i for me as a fan of the comics i'm happy they're, they 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 went that far with, with, with the character they obviously didn't do sort of like the, the, the have bullseye kill her um which is the the thing that happens in, in the comics um but uh i enjoyed their 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 track together and, and it felt like to me watching it that matt is equally as sort of broken um you know w- w- without her and uh i totally get what you're saying stephanie i understand like i just like i'm sick of the tropes too with like oh the girlfriend like doesn't understand like she comes and doesn't like she sees something that is clearly not anything dirty or like yes. sleeping with them and i'm tired of like i agree with trope you where you have to like this girl storms out and like basically yoko ono's the band mm-hmm. like she's the catalyst to that too and 
I'm tired of that. Mm. Like I, I'm sorry that I'm taking the time out. No, like, no, they're the good parts of the show. No, but, like, absolutely not. I, I and know, I agree with most of what what you're what you're saying. She doesn't realize what's happening this is something that could like easily be explained away he hasn't emotionally cheated on her Mm. he hasn't slept with electra he hasn't done anything bad Mm -hmm. and like she's just angry and like seriously yoko's everything and like it's it's tiring i don't want to keep seeing women be the cause of like Oh, friendships are broken over women. Oh, Foggy and, you know, Matt aren't friends anymore because, oh, he shouldn't have got together with his assistant. Like, you know, like, enough. See, I don't feel like the Foggy and Matt relationship breaks down because of Karen. It doesn't. But at the same time, that's part of it. He, You see him kind of being like, oh, are you guys getting intimate? Like, Yeah, Foggy's definitely jealous for sure. But Matt and Foggy's breakdown is over a lot more. It is, than what but is at the Karen. same time, Karen's the glue that holds them together. She is in a lot and of ways. Without yes. her kind of being the rational voice to be like, "No, you guys need to stay together." When Foggy's like, "Oh, I think you know the band should break up," she's like, "Burn it to the ground!" <laughs> like, you know, it's fine. It sets her on her own path. It sets Foggy on his own path. Whatever you want to say, but I. I wish that that had come to a conclusion with Karen not being the trace source of that. Mm. I do agree with you about the whole, that whole scene with like the coming in when Electra's in the bed kind of thing. Cause that scene is tired in every single show and movie that's ever done in anymore. Like it's one of those things that I just, I, I can't see stand and, it anymore. Okay. And I'm just taking a brief sidebar, but Bobby, you saw about time, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's one of the reasons why I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And in addition to it just being a freaking great movie, you don't have those tropes. You're able to tell a romantic story without ever having this big fight where the girl is like some irrational maniac. Mm-hmm. I know. I totally agree with you. I think that like the uh, the show, and there's a couple times that the scene with the blacksmith, that scene where the show is not as it's not living up to its potential that it, that it shows in, in other areas. Um, it's by no means uh, perfect across the board in, in that kind of stuff. And I totally agree with you there. Th- those, those are things that are the biggest letdowns because when the, the highs are very, very high uh, on the show um, and, and when those kind of lows happen in those situations, it's like, yeah, I don't, you could have written a, a different scene. And I mean, there are ways that I, I can say, like, I, I can see where they're coming from, but the, the scene itself is just too tired. Like, Matt Matt is, for not doing anything wrong with Electra, it's constantly lying to, to everyone, you know? So there is that sort of underlying thing, but... And Karen winds up being his consolation prize. There's, there's really no part of the show this season where he truly wants to be with her. Like... Early on, whether he realizes it or not, Electra's the person that he gets to be himself with. Mm-hmm. And he kind of lies to himself and is like, oh, but I want to be with Karen. Electra, no. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Stop trying to seduce me. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, Electra gets to be the bad guy here, too, because she's the one that ends things between Karen and Matt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, enough! Mm. Um, <laughs> It's... I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. Sorry. I know. I do. I, I do agree with you. I, I will say the only thing I'll say is that there is that scene where sort of like foggy kind of lays it out for Matt. Right. And he goes like, it's not Electra's fault. It's not Karen's fault. It's your fault. You know? And 
Um, this is part of what I mean, right? Be- about uh, uh, Matt being horrible at being Matt Murdock because he is—he's horrible at being Matt Murdock, and he he drives away everyone in his life in in, in this season. Um, and I, I think that there are ways, absolutely, they could have done better with with, with the other characters. But um, uh, that part of Matt, for me, is one of the more interesting things about the character. So I guess that's why initially watching it, I didn't see it that that same way but i definitely see where you're coming from uh, let me just jump in yeah can you see that matt's being bad yes at this relationship yes it doesn't have yes. to be explained no no he's, okay. he's horrible at it okay he's horrible at it and the thing is is like you know he constantly and not just because he has like this double life like he pushes karen away for whatever reasons mm. like really dumb unnatural reasons that don't really flow with the show and then at the end of it once like Electra's dead literally after he's like I can't go on without you I'm not whole inside anymore Electra there's this void where I, my soul once was it's you and then he's like Karen spoilers I love you like <laughs> he doesn't say that he says I'm he Daredevil he's, he, but he takes her to the <laughs> office he's like I'm gonna share my double life with you so we can be together and that's what that's ultimately leading to we'll see we'll see what, that, what season three we'll see we know the comics what season three takes off from <laughs> um like it's it's just i'm sorry like it's it's frustrating i, t- I totally like, i totally i totally get where, where you're coming from 100 percent um uh, that being said like to not beat a dead horse like i did really think that john bernthal did a great job as a punisher mm-hmm. i i loved that you know apparently they had to you know take their quota up as far as tropes go with the women, but like they were like, at least we don't need to retell Punisher's origin story 50 times. <laughs> no, they did not do the origin story. We did not see. We don't need to flash back. We, we yeah. don't need to tell it in the first episode mm. and then flash back to their violent deaths. Mm. Yeah. Like six times throughout every <sighs> single episode. Yeah. But I'll like, say that like. Thank you for not doing that. Yeah. And it's like, you don't even need it because you see it on his face every moment that he, that he's on on the screen absolutely um he always looks like he's about to cry he does always look oh. like he's about to cry really um and i love that little moment and again it comes after sort of i think the bad sort of resolution of this this general being sort of the overall sort of architect of his like his, his demise or, or, or whatever um but there's that moment where he he kills him and he's killed the last person like in the line and he opens that thing and he sees all those guns or whatever um and he just they just there's a shot of his hand and his hand just twitches. Yeah. It just twi- and you and you know that because there's a question. Obviously, we know as comic book fans that it's, it doesn't stop with this guy. But there's a question that he he asks, and it's it's in that third episode. I I think it's in that third episode um, where he's in the where he's got Daredevil chained up on the roof. It's either in that one or the one in the gra- the scene in the graveyard. I don't remember which one it is. And he asks him like when you when you when you get to that last guy when you find him, do you think it's going to be done? He's, you know, that, that whole thing. And I think that's in the graveyard. It's in the graveyard. And he, and you know, he, he, he that you, it will, he'll, I'll be whole, he'll be whole again after he kills him. And there's that big question sort of lingering over him and that answers it, obviously. I liked that his character never really broke in that I'm, I'm watching the show and he's given plenty of opportunities to kind of come over to the other side between the, the courtroom stuff where he was supposed to testify uh, as guilty mm-hmm. and he like that huge outburst that he has where he's yelling and screaming they have to like tear him away and, and bring him into the cells and stuff like that he had a moment to try and like smooth his situation mm-hmm. and do his sentence and get out and have a life and the characters stuck to you know what we know of that character oh, yeah. or even in the end 
Well, hold on a minute. I'm not done. <laughs> but like when when Karen is talking to him in the woods and she's like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where you think that he's going to turn around and be like, you know what? Maybe you're right. But he turns around, he throws that guy in there and he's just like, this is who I am mm-hmm. and shuts the door. Yeah. And I, I was really glad mm. for that for that moment because mm. I didn't I didn't want to break that. No, I mean, he's a single minded about what he does. Sorry, go ahead. Stephanie. But the thing is, is like going back to that court scene. That's out of that doesn't make sense that he was what was implied there specifically is that he was coerced, you know, like. Somebody, somebody got to him, and somebody has made him have that outburst. But he didn't need to do that. There was no coercion necessary. He was going to prison no matter what. That guy was going to prison. It was a matter of how long. He did not need to be like, like that guy. the The best case scenario of that conversation with the guard was Kingpin wants to have a talk with you in prison. Like, there, there was no need to throw that case. I feel like he because did it for himself. guess what? Yeah. You were going to prison! But they, 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 I mean, again, whether or not that scene works or not, I think the, the intonation of that is that there's a chance that he would get, he could put in a mental institution, not in, not in a general right. population prison. If, if things Still, went the like, way that, they, and I think the idea was the guard was like, Kingpin, yeah. or whatever he called him, Kingpin has an in he knows a the guy who was who knows what happened to your family if you if you throw this case if you get thrown in prison kingpin will make sure you find that guy and, and kill him I, th- I i think that's the intonation oh. of what that what that scene is about um did he need to do like that crazy like screaming thing to get thrown in prison probably not but i think that's he had to throw the case <laughs> he could have like done that episode of the simpsons with uh where they do uh hamlet and he just pulls in ophelia like a lisa where she's like i'm going out crazy everybody and she's like hey not a not and like jumps out the window um <laughs> could have just done that <laughs> but yeah so uh, um yeah so i mean i i thought that what he did those was great overall i i think and i'm uh, i mean I don't really want him to have his own series because I think the Punisher works better as a supporting secondary character. Um, uh, or you you have to do his show from perspective of someone who's not him because I don't think, I, for me personally, it just gets too exploitive when he's the main character of, 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 a, of a piece. How did you feel? How did you all feel about the Black Sky stuff? Um, it was I- stupid. I, I don't, Thank you. I don't think it was stupid. I don't. Maybe stupid is not the word. But like let's, when they let's like completely digress from all of this drug deal stuff. Let's go away from all of this stuff we've built up. Let's go on a completely random tangent. Black sky. Stephanie, you, if you said that, you said no. anything in that voice, it would make it sound stupid. What about a superhero who goes blind and can hear everything? On. <laughs> like that. Yeah, it was not. <laughs> they didn't build up to that. That was just they've, they've it was another one of those reveals that, that just season. didn't really work. Yeah, they've been doing they've been building up to it since last year. They've been talking about this hand chase stuff and, and then they build, I think it's like episode 5 or 6 that they started. I th- just thought one. the I thought the reveal with Electra being the black sky, it fell very flat for me. When oh, really? They, when they when they announced it, I was like, "All right." Okay. And I don't. I still don't know a hundred percent what the black sky even is or signifies. It's like their ultimate weapon. It's like their chosen one, right? But then there's the the hole and and the rising of the dead. And what does the black does the black sky lead the dead? The black sky is supposed to lead the hand. Okay, 
I don't. I, that is the that is the answer. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's 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 for me. It's a lot of it's a lot of puff without. I mean, whether it works for you guys or not, I mean, that's, but I'm just telling you that's like what it's supposed to be. I just know that when they when they like dropped that mm. bomb, where it was like you're mm. in the blacks. I was like, all right, and it for a lot of the other stuff in the show that like they 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 dropped or reveal something like the moment where. Frank finds the the bulletproof vest inside the shed. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god! Or when Fisk shows up, when you see the guy lifting yeah. weights and they pan up and it's him. I freaked. <laughs> I freaked. The Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin was my favorite. Is still my favorite thing to come out of either season. Mm. And finding out that he was even in this at all, and that he was going to hang out for a little while, and still got to like grab a person by their shoulders and just smash them <laughs> repeatedly into things. <laughs> I was I was all down for that. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah, no, I don't know why. Like I just the the hand stuff just didn't interest me as much as as the other things going mm. on. So, and that's just you, me you're, though. You're probably going to be disappointed though than going forward No, whatever. I am I am completely down for uh, the, the show is still excellent. Mm. I still like Stephanie said if if last season was five stars, this is four. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm yeah, still yeah, 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 totally yeah. on board with it. I love the cast. I love uh, the the tone, the world, <laughs> all that stuff. It's like let's give Electra a new costume. Psych, she's in it for thirty seconds before we murder her. Doesn't she kind of look like Silk a little bit? A little bit. I liked her Electra costume. Yeah. Though. Like I I think that in the sort of practical sense of costumes, it worked. It mm-hmm. does. It is a bit Silk like, but yeah. I I don't know. I didn't have problems with it strictly like in that sense no like, i didn't have a problem with it i just when i saw her i'm like she kind of looks like the, it was the mask it was the face mask the, face thing. Mask and the, yeah, the half mask yeah i like that like they, they kept her in that coat until like she revealed it uh, i thought that was like a, a cool move she was really awesome and uh i love that he got the fucking billy club at the end with the the rope billy club so could, when grappling when thing. he when potter was showing yeah, him yeah. the new club and he was like you doing all these different <laughs> yeah. things i was like oh he's got nunchucks now <laughs> yep <laughs> That was great, and we got a real daredevil moment where he like he like slings it around, yeah, the and thing he totally knows how to use and it and swing. Um, but I did again. This this is the this is the comical part of it that I love. I love that he throws that fucking stick and it like bounces off the wall, hits people's head, and then it gets back into his hand. Yep. It's got a real Captain America shield thing about it. Doesn't make any I sense. I love the I love the an accountant um, for the hand, mm-hmm. uh, and like he just constantly has that like one indent on his forehead. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's spring loaded. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, he does that. That one, like the 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 British dude, the dude that like they kidnap or whatever. Yeah, they, the guy who they have the, his son. Yeah, yeah. The, the crazy son who like yeah. whatever that thing is. That Irish mob boss man. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, not only did he give it, but yeah. he got it oh, pretty got bad it pretty too. Bad. With that oh, ice yeah. pick yeah. scene. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. That was gross. There are some very difficult scenes to watch. I as far as I violence. I thought. The other Irish mob boss, the one that stabbed him, mm-hmm. like I thought in the one scene with the Punisher that they were going to kill the dog, and I was like, "Oh if yeah, they I know. do this. If I they know. do this, I'm done." <laughs> I said, like, "I was you like, kill the dog, and you've lost me." Like, <laughs> oh! <laughs> I was sitting watching. I'm like, obviously, none of them have seen John Wick. Yeah, no. you yeah, never yeah, kill no, the dog. No, and it's like the one thing he cares about. Yeah. You can see how upset he gets when they bring the dog oh. out. Um, but yeah, because I, it goes back to that whole thing where Karen and him are in the hospital room, mm-hmm. and he's like, he feels the need to be like, you were never in any danger. Yeah, yeah, you I, are innocent in this. You would have, I would have never harmed you. Yeah, at all. And it's the same with the dog. Like the dog is an innocent in this, and he took the pity on the dog because the dog was a product of the cruelty of the people around him. Yeah. 
um, there's that movie The Drop with Tom Hardy where the same sort of thing happens and he takes the dog in mm-hmm. um, from mobsters. But the dog isn't innocent in all this, mm-hmm. not unlike a child. Yeah. And the, the dog might be, you know, trained to hurt or kill, but that's not the dog's fault. That's the people who trained him. Yeah. And so he takes this pity on him, you know, and it's this really great moment where you get to see that he was a caring father. He was this really kind soul that was forced to do really awful things. Yeah. And that's a really human moment for him at that time. And then again with Karen where he's explaining. Yeah. I feel like that ha- – yeah, that obviously happened before. But having that scene happen with the dog is, again, using the word catalyst a lot mm. – uh, for us being able to really believe that Karen was in no danger. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like without that scene happening, without the origin story of mm. a scene Frank with his family, for people who aren't familiar with that, there's no way of really knowing if that's a truth. Yeah. But when you see him literally give up his life for a dog, mm-hmm. yeah, you know that when he says, I would have never hurt you yeah. to Karen, you know he means that's it. That's a really good point. That's a really, I didn't think that's a really good point. Um, that scene in the hospital where, he, where he's telling about the kids and everything, what they used to do, it broke my heart. Yeah. He was so good in that scene. He was really amazing. Yeah. He, he's really great in it. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that was talking about that staircase scene. We, we mentioned it before, but like he has a gun taped to his hand and a chain around his other arm, the daredevil, because <laughs> he's been tied up by the Punisher. Um, that fight scene was yeah. so good. Yeah. It's it crazy. was so good. And I, it shows how much better he's gotten at being daredevil. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, which I liked a lot. I just when when I when I saw it like ramping up and starting mm. to go, and I'm like, all right, yeah. how long are we gonna leave the camera on for for <laughs> yeah. this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still can't believe just how long mm. that shot is. Yeah, the the choreography and the the practice mm-hmm. and the rehearsals that must come in before you actually film that. And I mean, that's got to be the stunt double the whole time. Well, yeah. Okay. For the most part. I mean, I wouldn't imagine. I imagine it's Charlie Cox as much as possible. Yeah. But I mean, he can't do but, that like, stuff. As, as, as anyone, I know it's your job to be a no, badass. But, still. but that's exhausting. Yeah. Well, it's not just about you being a badass. It's about everybody else in the scene also doing yeah. what they're supposed to do with the camera being in the right place, yeah. all that kind of stuff. No, it's very, very impressive. They do very, very impressive with their fight choreography. I will say the one nitpick I have about the whole thing. Is that he grunts an awful lot? He reminded me of Mad Max. <laughs> oh, you talking about Daredevil? Yeah, Daredevil. Oh, I was talking about uh, no, Punisher. No, Daredevil. Like Daredevil. <laughs> like a lot. When he throws the the Billy Club up to take out the lights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, on the um, rooftop. On the rooftop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I wasn't. I, I didn't like the whole like. Thanks, Frank, for shooting those people moment when, like, at the very end. Thanks, champ. <laughs> Thanks, champ. Yeah. Yeah, where he, and he does that subtle nod. Yeah, yeah. And they both nod at each other. It's like, we understand each other now. Yes. Murder is our friend. You see Batman in the Batplane give Commissioner Gordon the thumbs up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> he can't see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, I but do. he can hear him. He can he hear, can hear subtle him. subtle nod oh. in the wind. Yeah. I do, I do like that little scene when they, when they do the little, like, like, that scene with Stick where he's, like, whispering. When yes. Matt is coming to yes, save him, like, cool. and like I do, like you know, because Punisher is like, "See you around, Red," or whatever. And he says it really softly, but you know, Matt can hear it because of his like crazy super hearing. Stick was good in, in, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, this yeah. too. I, I think he's a very like unsung uh, 
part of this yeah. show. Yeah. Well, he's ver- barely in that first season. He kind of feels like David Carradine in Kill he Bill. He does. Yep. He does feel like David Carradine. That, <laughs> that stuff with Electra him was definitely very Kill Bill. It doesn't hurt that like, he kind of looks like him. He even sounds <laughs> like him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The Nobu and Stick scene yeah. at the very end. Mm-hmm. I laugh my ass <laughs> off at that. You're not going anywhere, asshole. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, and we got little Madame Gao, too. That was cool. Yeah. She's a great character. I love her. She's uh, a good artist, too. Yeah, she's a very good artist. She paints very nice. A little, little tree there. Um, <laughs> Happy little trees. All right. Uh, <laughs> Adam Gow. That's going to do it for our, 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 our Daredevil Season 2 review. W- w- let me know what you guys thought of it. Um, write in um, at Talking Comics, uh, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, or podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. Uh, Go to TalkingComicBooks.com for all of our reviews, articles, and our bevy of podcasts. If you want to get in touch with us personally, I am at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve. I am at dead underscore anchorous. Stephanie. At hello cookie. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Awesome. Um, yeah, so next week, uh, so there's one. There's WonderCon in Anaheim this weekend where they're going to reveal probably all the creative teams for the DC Rebirth stuff. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. We got Batman, Superman, Dawn of Justice. All right. Um, and we've also got Batman 50 comes out this week. So there's a lot to do next week. Um and uh, Stephanie, I, I'll tell every. It'll be the third time in the show I've said this, but not that it'll matter to you because you're still coming on the line. But Joey <laughs> B- Joey Bacino is going to be in studio ne- next week with us. What? what is he coming out here for? That he's going to be here. I don't remember what he said, but he was just like, oh, "I'm going to be on Long Island if you guys will have me for the show." No, no. no. I, yeah, no. So, <laughs> wherever you're doing it, just do it over Skype. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you don't want to drive all the way out here. Yeah, I have yeah, to give yeah, you directions. Yeah, yeah. But he has family in this town. That's awesome. Yeah, so he's going to come I'm out very much and do that. Meeting him. Yeah, we've never met him in person, no. so that's crazy. He's a serial killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the last, the last talk, got, and we're going out on Batman versus Superman. The perfect yeah, way to end perfect it. Perfect way to end yeah. it, end it oh all. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I've saying this before, but let's sort of be in like rough contact about what we think of the movie, like just very like, Thumbs up, thumbs down. Sure. So that if we all are dis- are all are negative on it, or all positive, or all positive, we can find somebody else to come in and, and uh, even us out a little bit. I'm looking forward to it. I am too. Going on Thursday. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Reviews have started hitting, so there's probably a ton out by now. So you guys may check them out before it comes out. But uh, until next week, that'll do it for the Talking Comics podcast. For Steve, na 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 na, Bob, Batman, and Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.